Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to the very first episode of 2021 of the Rap Lab Podcast. As always, it's your boy, the Candyman, A-L-F-R-E to the D. And it's the one and only True G. Just call me the QG. What up, what up? It is the Rev Barber MC, Eric Ruiz. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, And E... Since you're here, I got one question to ask you, bro. I got one thing for you. Check this out. What up? You know, I guess that you would be the only one who would dare to come here. You've got courage. (laughs) Before you get a chance to fight with me, you must observe our rules. And beat these two swordsmen first. <laughs> hey, that's Since, what I'm talking about. I mean, I mean, you know, you and I, we go back with the Wu-Tang and the Kung Fu and the films and all that. So since you're here and since this is our first episode of 2021, we'd like to formally let everybody know, all our listeners out there, shout out to everybody, that Eric the Barber, my brother, our family, is now officially with us on the Rap Lab podcast, so give it up for him. Yep. Yeah. A permanent, a yeah. permanent addition to the team, a welcome yeah. addition to the team, and uh, we are yeah, very yeah. glad to have Eric here with us on a regular basis. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited to have you, Eric, and thank you for taking the opportunity to uh, be one of us permanently. Man, thank you all so much, man. All my homies are going to think I'm going to mark out again because, you know, I said I was starstruck doing the episode with y'all the first second <laughs> time. But, you know, just got to give flowers when it's due, man. And while you guys are here tag teaming, I'm joining up with y'all and uh, this experience and just thankful and honored that y'all got me on this platform with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Welcome. And um, before we get into anything else, um, big news in, in, in rap um 2020 uh again took uh another beloved member of our hip-hop community 2020 was already rough and i know the last episode last week was our 2020 year in review but nobody was gonna i mean and, and technically this guy had passed away before we even recorded that show but uh we're just finding out now that uh, mf doom uh passed away new year's eve apparently he had uh, been deceased since October and um but they had just let the news out now um real quick we're just gonna talk 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 about doom real quick um we'll go around the room uh QG um just give a brief thought about MF doom wow um this this news really really broke me because I I got into MF Doom before he was MF Doom. Like I knew I knew who he was in the beginnings when um he was down with third base. And um I and I loved third base as a kid growing up. For those that don't know, um, you know, he was in the group and um and at that time, you know, he was he was their producer and many years have gone by. And then all of a sudden I see I see the transition, you know, because as a comic fan, you recognize the mask, 
and he got the Doctor Doom mask, and he's MF Doom, and then him coming out with Operation Doomsday and all these other great works, and I'm like, man, you know, this guy, he's 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 incredible, and MF Doom had he has an amazing fan base. Like when you're when you're an MF Doom fan, you're part of an exclusive club. It's like all the MF Doom fans just unite and come together and talk about it. And, you know, same thing with um, um, Mad Villain. Everybody talks about Mad Villain and um, Victor Vaughn and King Ghidorah and all these other great albums. It's just like he's just he's just such a great, great artist. And this is just it's just a sad and stunning loss, you know, for everybody out there. And, you know, I mean, we're all feeling the effect. And I I just want to give my condolences to his family, to all his fans out there. And and, and for sure, his legacy is going to stay alive. And, uh, e, what about you? Yeah, I was caught off guard about that news. MF Doom, man, he's kind of just like, he reminds me of like how most deaf is. They kind of stay off the grid. But um, these guys definitely do make good product and especially on a production standpoint with MF Doom, man, he's, he's been in the game for so long. And, you know, I love the stuff that he has with Ghostface, man. It's, you know, of course, my woo roots over there, but um, MF Doom just, just so much impact on the game from decades, like QG said, you know, and I myself didn't know he was a, a British rapper or, or born um, of British descent until like recently when um, Christmas with Doom came out. That's one of my favorite um, holiday pieces right there. Y'all should go check that out. Um, man, yeah, so I figured, I, I kind of um, started hearing more of the accent when I found that out. But yeah, man, big up to MF Doom, man. Rest in peace, man. Sad news, man. 2020, let's just move on from this and just on a more productive path in, in the next year. Absolutely. And, um, my thought, um, that, that Mad Villain album from all the way back in 2004, um, great, 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 great piece of work. Um, for anybody who uh, wants a recommended track, um, my personal favorite MF Doom track is uh, All Caps. So um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely um, check that out. It's just a shame because he wasn't like we know him because we hip hop heads, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't somebody that like everybody like you have to know rap to know MF Doom. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Which which is which is sad because I feel like. What's going to happen now, a bunch of people who wouldn't have given him the time of day had he not died are going to start listening to him. Yeah, streams are going up. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, oh, yeah. Which, is, which, is un, which is unfortunate, but, yeah. I mean, that's that's the world we live in. So um, before we get into today's topic, um, just want to give a brief moment of silence for, uh, for Doom and uh, his memory. All right, and uh, with that said, um, today's topic we're going to talk about is um, classic albums and their sequels. So um, pretty much what that means is you get an album and then you get a a follow-up, whether it's a follow-up in name, usually in name and theme. Um, So we're going to just go down a list. Uh, We chose 12. Of course, there's plenty more that we we could choose, but we chose 12 that all three of us have heard and that most of you have probably heard. And we'll, we'll see, we'll try to see which album was better. Was it warranted of a sequel and, and all that good stuff. So, uh, the first album on the list that we're going to discuss, um, Dr. Dre's the chronic, uh, versus 2001. 
a lot of people are going to be like, wait a minute, that's a sequel? But yes, the original name of 2001 was supposed to be The Chronic 2001, but uh, Big Suge wasn't wasn't having that. Just shout out, shout out, <laughs> Big Suge. Shout out to Big Suge. <laughs> how you gonna shout out? How you gonna shout out Big Suge to say keep your head up when he bogarted the original title of what it was supposed to be? That's not merited of a shout out, Candy Man. Big, big, big Suge's a powerful man. I don't want to get that man. Upset. Who cares? No, it's the Chronic and Chronic 2000. Listen, listen man. I don't want I don't want to upset that man because I don't want to I want to end up like Terry Carter, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 nah, man. Yo, you messed up. You about to end up like Vanilla Ice, man. <laughs> shout, shout, shout out to you, to you big shit. But um, but yeah. So let's let's talk about the Chronic, and um, in 2001. So um, QG, since you're like our resident West Coast expert, you want to <laughs> talk about you want to talk about the Chronic uh really quickly? Yes, yes. Uh, the Chronic. Wow. This album springboarded death row records this was dre's solo album solo as in the name because you know it's it's dr dre the chronic this is when he left nwa and it ushered in the wave of a new sound g-funk is now part of the norm and it introduced new artists like snoop dogg and the dog pound and lady of rage and rbx it changed the face of music in general this album was released in june of 1992 and it is just one of the greatest one of the greatest albums ever in history this album has so many accolades all over it you could just pick it i mean you could just pick your poison and it was beef time it was beef time against tim dog it was beef time against easy e and ruthless records but you still had those great records and i need to point out that the, there would be no chronic without the DOC and Snoop Doggy Dog because they were the writers. They were the storytellers. They were the architects behind it, along with Dre. Dre put the production together, but you need that story. You need those lyrics put together. And the DOC said it. If there was no Snoop Dogg, it wouldn't be the chronic. It would be just some good ass weed. And that is a fact. So you got F with Dre Day. You got Let Me Ride. You got Nothing But a G Thing. You got These Nuts. You got Little Ghetto Boy. You got Lyrical Gangbang and High Powered and all these other great records. Like, I mean, what what more can be said? Pop in the Chronic. Listen to the Chronic. It is a dope, dope album. In fact, the original Chronic press releasing came with... Um, it actually came with some rolling papers, if you guys could believe that. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, he, it actually I came mean, with I some mean, rolling like, papers. The album, the, for those of us who know, the album cover, uh, isn't it supposed to be like a play on the zigzag box? It's the play on the zigzag box with Dr. Dre's face on it. So, yeah, yeah. like if, if, if you got the original pressing with the uh, – and at the time, you know, cassettes was put in these big boxes – with these, you know, with these promotions. So they actually had the rolling paper in it. So they were, they were really pushing the, uh, uh, the chronic, but it's G funk because of the George Clinton parliament funkadelic samples. And people never heard something like that before. And, and if they did, it finally has a title to it. So people from the East coast, the West coast, the South, everybody appreciated this album. It is a pivotal piece of hip hop history. And uh, that 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 that's well said. And uh, 
I could say for both albums, both the uh, the Chronic and 2001, it shouldn't just be Dr. Dre. It should be titled by the artist should be Dr. Dre and Friends. Oh, oh of course, <laughs> and, and of course. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, and 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 of course we could fast forward and 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 E, you know, um, 1999 was when the 2001 album came out, and um, what, I'm sure when you heard it, you know, especially with songs like the next episode and. Um, also, it, it's crazy how the singles that came out, because we know we know Dr. Dre didn't write, but the way that Dre was able to jump in and absorb those lyrics, like, how did you feel hearing 2001 compared to the first Chronic? Because, you know, when you got you, you got the original Chronic, that's a high standard. So mm-hmm. how did you feel about hearing the sequel? Man, 2001 was just like the the millennium what it was supposed to be in that album everything was just on on a broader scale the production the beats the concepts it just introduced us to the to the millennium to new millennium and what what we had pretty much had planned and had faith in what was going to happen was just put on to this album it was it was a compilation of everything in the 90s that was good but on a broader scale with the production with the features and even the singles, you know, like the next episode, that was to this that melody and you know what time it is. And da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> it's the motherfucker D-O-double-G. And I, I need oh. to point out, I need to point out Dre needed this album 2001 because for a period of time he wasn't working with Snoop. And Snoop right. wasn't working with him. Snoop was still on death row at the time. And then you know, when Dre released the aftermath compilation. It wasn't as well received as it was because this is a brand new label. Interscope went with Dre and it sold a million copies. He worked on the firm album that sold a million copies, but it was deemed as as a commercial failure. So now it was time for Dre to get back to the drawing board. And once again, he ushered in brand new artists that we have not heard. He's got. 6-2. He's got Hitman. Hitman was all over this album. Miss Rock. He got all these different people. But the, the shining star, the shining star on this album, besides going back to the drawing board, because it was good that he had Corrupt on here. It was good he had Snoop. The DOC was a part of it. He had people that were on the original Chronic. Unfortunately, RBX wasn't there. Lady of Rage wasn't there, but shout out to them. Daz Dillinger wasn't there. They were all in the original. But Eminem, when he showed up on Forgot About Dre, it just opened up the doors to a to to a whole new sound, and and it just it just it just changed everything. And the Chronic 2001, I mean, Candyman, you could you could definitely talk about this. Like, how did you how did you feel about the how did you feel about the transition from the first Chronic to the uh, sequel of the Chronic? Well, I mean. The- here is the thing with like like I like I said a couple of minutes ago, the Chronic in two thousand one again should just be Dr. Dre and Friends. Both albums play like a sampler because there's so many so many featured guests on each of the tracks. I mean, two thousand um like you mentioned, the whole Death Row is on um on the Chronic. Then two thousand one, uh, we got Eminem on there. We got Defaria on there. Yeah. Uh, exhibit uh, also Exhibit, exhibit. yes, Nocturnal yes. yeah. uh, uh, as well. Corrupt. Um, yes, a, fe- a feel good moment. Uh, MC Ren uh, was oh, on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
for the first time since uh, NWA, they 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 were working together. Yes, sir. So so it, it, you know, I, I always like that sampler feel of Dr. Dre's works, and um, I think it was a perfect a perfect sequel because on the um on the chronic, what do they hint at at the end? The next episode, what song is on two thousand one? The next episode, <laughs> even though there was a track that was supposed to be on the chronic called the next episode, the original, which yes. I, which has never seen the light of day, but I mean. I mean, hey man, like I, 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 I Dre, Dre created a, a class. Both albums, I, I feel like, I are classics. I feel like the Chronic, personally, is the better of the two, in my personal opinion. Well, but, yeah, I mean, at that time there was a lot going on. You had the Rodney King situation. It was the early '90s, and this is Dre coming fresh from NWA, so he's coming in with all these different ideas. And this is a young Snoop Doggy Dog. This is a hungry. Snoop Doggy Dog, and he he was a main, main part of that album. Like, if there was no Snoop Dogg, there would be no Chronic. But let me ask you guys this question as far as the writing is concerned. You see how I mentioned earlier about um, uh, the DOC and Snoop being the main writers for the first Chronic? Right. The song Still Dre. You guys know who wrote that? Jay-Z. Oh. Uh, amazing, isn't it? That Jay Z wrote that song. It sounds really? like him too in the flow. Right. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg said it. Snoop Dogg uh, did an interview because that because when Dre does an album, it's like a classroom. He has all these writers gathered around. He has the beat playing in the background, and he knows what he wants the song to sound like. So you got to write him some hot shit, and he has to like it. Dre is a perfectionist. So Snoop wrote something. The DOC wrote something. Jay-Z flew in. Boom, 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 boom. Wrote this and just gave it to Dre and 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 and, and flowed it. And then, oh my God, it was on. Here yeah. you got a New York rapper coming in, and, and and the way Jay-Z was able to put it in and tie it in for Dr. Dre, that was genius. And also Scott Storch was was also behind a lot of the production as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, got, yeah. I gotta shout them out. I gotta get yeah, 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 yeah. That, that that fucking guy, Scott Storch. Yep. Three <laughs> O against Manny Fresh. You caught a body. Yo, 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 come on, come on. That that man, that man played songs that he assisted with. Hey man, a win is a win. Don't don't get me started, man. It's just, we in a new year, all right? But the be all end all, the most important thing it. It brought back life for Dr. Dre when people wrote Dr. Dre off with creating Aftermath. Both records sold over five million. Mm. Amazing. Yep. Cla- classic and timeless. And and like I said, you it, it, it's a great it's a great sequel. I mean, now some people argue, oh, well, how could it be a great sequel? Isn't the sequel supposed to be better than the original? No. If it's no. just if it's just as good, it still and, makes it. And, and you know what? You know what, guys? I, I'm mad at myself because I forgot about my guy, Nate Dogg. Oh, of course. Hey, Nate, hey, Dog, hey. Nate Dogg was on both albums. You know, God bless the dead. Rest hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, man. Smoke I mean, you got to have Nate day. on there. Smoke weed every day. That was Nate, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, most most, most definitely, um, yeah, you'd, you'd have to be a fool to say that both albums are not classics, at least in my opinion. Uh, and if you don't believe that, then I'm Sorry that I'm offending you, but uh, but yeah, so definitely, and um, both albums have strengths in different places, but that's not a bad thing either. Definitely not a definitely not a bad thing. 
Um, moving on to our next uh, album and sequel. Um, when you talk about albums and sequels and which one was better, this is commonly brought up in the conversation. Uh, Illmatic and Stillmatic. And um, E, you wanna you wanna introduce the uh, uh, this go around? So when Nas dropped Illmatic, I felt like he was just super hungry and just wanted to burst in the game and let everyone know his name and just murdered live at the barbecue. And with this piece, it was it's just timeless. But when he bounced back with Stillmatic, he was on a mission because, you know, everything ha- was happening with Jay-Z and people were counting him out. You know, his, his last effort before that with the Bravehearts and um, Nostradamus wasn't critically acclaimed like pretty well. So with this, he knows he couldn't he couldn't miss at all. It had to be a five mic esque album. So he covered more topics on Stillmatic, you know, with my country and what goes around. I felt like the growth as a man was just beautiful for Stillmatic. And personally, I hold Stillmatic a little more better to, than Illmatic, just from an artist's point of view, because just the topics were just they just matured through time for me on Stillmatic, but Illmatic is is timeless. You know, it was the standard during that time. And and let me ask you, if you could you could you say that one is better than the other, or you you can't you don't feel like you can make that call? It it really just depends on you, because I know a couple people who feel the way I feel about Stillmatic, and you know Illmatic is just hard to argue against. But if you really just take Stillmatic and take it for what it was during that time with Jay-Z and, and, you know, what was going on. Like he, I felt like he just touched on that time as well, just like he did on um, 92 and 93, but during, during around 98, and I felt he just, he just did what it, what it was perfect for that time period. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Q, what about you in, in the, uh, Illmatic Stillmatic conversation? Oh man. Um, well, let's look at it like this. Illmatic was released in 1994. And what hasn't been said about Illmatic? It is one of the greatest albums in history, period. Like, you, you got you got 10 songs of perfection, including the intro. And it's and everything... It's everything you would want in an album. It has everything. The storytelling... It has the it has the it has the lyrical technique. It brought in the resurgence of East Coast rap at the time when West Coast was dominant. You needed that New York sound and you had the perfect producers to do it. And you had a young MC that was so hungry, like my brother E just said. But when we go fast forward. I hate the fact that people just gloss over Stillmatic like it's not one of the most important albums in Nas's catalog or in hip hop because they left Nas for dead. Jay-Z tried to end this man's career and he failed. So all you people out there that say, oh, well, Nas won the battle, but Jay-Z won the war. Jay-Z lost. Yeah, if you you thought Super Ugly was the song that got him to win, you're glad. Because the intention was to get Nas out of here. Yeah, that was the intention, and it failed. And what I loved about Stillmatic, people had to call Nas. People had to tell Nas, "Listen, yo, you got to do something. This guy's breathing down your neck. What are you gonna do?" Nas went back to the drawing board. He got back with Large Professor. He got back with Primo. He came in with this beautiful album. 
And out the gate, what did you get? What is the second track on Stillmatic? Ether. Let me get this out the way. Yes. Let let me get this out the way. Y'all know what it is. This is beef time. Boom. (laughs) But let's focus on Got Yourself a Gun. Let's focus on You're the Man. You're the Man is my favorite song on this album. You're the Man is my favorite song on this album because Nas reminds people, oh, you all forgot how good I am. You all forgot who I am. And a lot of people did because they looked at the commercial success with Escobar and Nostradamus and him doing all this other things with I am and all that stuff. He took it back to the beginning. Rewind is one of the most creative records ever. One mic, second childhood, destroy and rebuild. It's beef time. He's addressing Cormega and prodigy and nature rule. Like E just said, where he's talking about what's going on. This is 2001, people. Stillmatic came out of December 18th of 2001. We got George Bush Jr. in office. We got a lot going on here. The the um 9-11 just unfortunately, happened. Unfortunately, yes, 9-11 yeah. just happened. 9-11 just happened. And Nas is addressing all these issues. He reunited with AZ. After many years, him and AZ are back together, and they came with this great track called The Flyest. You know what I mean? And, and then it's like, and, 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 and for people that don't know about this, and E, you could chime in on this. You guys could chime. The original pressing of Stillmatic has that song Braveheart Party. Oh, my oh. goodness, yes. Oh. I was, if I was, you don't have that CD, that. you're in trouble. <laughs> I, know, I know Mary J. Blige that, yes. happy that, that that song got removed. All Nas fans are. All, I mean, man. I mean, <laughs> talk about I mean, a you, I mean, on a you white want shirt. to talk about it? You want to talk Man, about Braveheart Party? That is the cranberry juice stain on the white shirt there, <laughs> on the crispy polo. Ah oh, man, it, it, it's sad that I have that beat like still in my head because like you know when you're like going through the album and yeah. it's, my my finger just goes for the fast forward on that one, man. I just. Oh man, I mean, and, and the new pressings of the album does not have that song on it. So, well, you think? Well, well, here's the thing. I'm I'm known as the the record collector of of the of the show, and I have a copy of Stillmatic, but mine doesn't have Braveheart part. Oh, I don't have it. But you know, on eBay, that 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 original pressing goes for a lot of dough. Yes, it does. Oh, man, wow. Yes, it does. I had and, that too. Oh yeah, and 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 to, and to um, wrap it all up, with, you know, with this, it was an album that Nas needed. He needed Stillmatic because even though it was written gets critical acclaim, even though I Am sold a bunch of records, even though Nostradamus, you know, gets its gets its criticism, but it still went platinum to Nas's credit. Now you're looking at Nas the person. Now you're looking at Nas, the artist. Now he's getting back and he's reminding people, this is who I am. This is what I do. Respect me for who I am and what I do and never, ever forget again. That's why I love this album. Man, QG, hell of a promo. I'm sorry to cut out for him, but yes. I'm telling you, man. Yes. E, you was in St. John's with me, man. Yeah, yep. All those people that used to come up to us and say, oh, man, yo, Jay-Z got him. Oh, no, nah. he's done. Oh, he can't do it no more. Oh, no, no. When this came out, Oof. all that chatter stopped. It stopped. Well, it was over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, tell, tell it to you guys from this perspective. 
And we brought up Illmatic on this show several times, plenty of times. And Q, well, Eric, you you weren't here for, for my philosophy on this, but you probably heard about it. But Q, what do I say about Illmatic every single time? It follows the Michael Jackson thriller formula. Yes. Where it's a short yeah. album, but every song is a timeless classic. Most of yeah. the songs are single worthy. Like, and, and for those who don't know or are new listeners, when I say it's the Michael Jackson thriller formula, if you look at the album Thriller by Michael Jackson, what is it? Like nine songs and out of the nine, seven of them were singles, mm-hmm. successful yes. singles at that. Illmatic yes. follows the same formula because whether it's um Sitting in the Park, Memory Lane, One Love, Life's a Bitch, mm-hmm. um, New York State of Mind, all successful singles that we all know and love, right? Yep. But the, the similarity between these two albums, even though one is in 94 and one is in 2001, the shocking similarity, which is also very rare in hip-hop, the artist was hungry both yes. times. Yes. Now, usually yes. you get an artist, their debut album, fire out the gate. Hungry as hell. We've seen many, we've seen so many great debut albums, right? Where you hear that hunger. Artist releases album after album after album after the debut. The, the same hunger never comes back. Yes, With Nas, yeah. Stillmatic, one could argue that he was hungrier mm. on Stillmatic than he was on Illmatic. He and had like, something to prove. Right. He was attacked. And again, but and like and like and like like we just said, it's because it's beef time. People had yep. him written off. People had his career is dead. And here's the thing about Stillmatic, right? With the exception of Braveheart Party, which we're not going to count because if you go on Amazon and order Stillmatic now, you're not going to get that song. Thank God. But mm-hmm. thank goodness. <laughs> but my thing, when you you want to look at the track listing of the quality of songs, Q, I knew you ran down it, but yeah ether and got yourself yeah. a gun and rewind and one mic and destroy and rebuild and even rule with, with emery like, oh, oh yeah and then my 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 sleeper song on that album is the last song every ghetto right mm-hmm. and that's my personal favorite off of stillmatic and you look at it and you're like it's a hunger but it's a like, like i said it's a different type of hunger the first, the first on Illmatic, the first hunger was, let me show you who I am. I need to prove myself. The se- the second, the second effort on on Stillmatic is, y'all, y'all, y'all said I was done. All right, let me show you I'm not done, and let me and and never think that ever again. And not only that, but you want to look at the formulas of both albums. The formulas are two totally different albums. Yes. Like like Eric said earlier, the production on Illmatic is nowhere near the same as Illmatic. Granted, the albums are seven years apart. Right. But like he didn't he didn't use a large pro. He didn't use a primo for 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 Stillmatic. So like no, he did, he did, he did. Oh, yeah, no, he had I, primo on um, second childhood. Yeah, yeah, correction. And, he, um, but he, didn't, and, and, he, he didn't use primo as much. Right. Yeah, just one song, and then Large yeah. Pro had the one song. Um, yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, he had "You're the Man," and Primo had "Second Childhood." Les was was on this. Uh, Ron Browse did "Ether." Right, but he didn't yeah. rely. So my my mistake, you know, make an error every once in a while. It's all, but baby. but um, he didn't rely on them as heavily as he did on Illmatic. Right, right, exactly. Right. Correct. And you know what the other thing is? In between, so in between Illmatic and Stillmatic. He had three albums. He had it was written. Uh, he had um, 
it was written. He had Nostradamus and uh, I and am. I am. And you know what's funny? It was written. He was also hungry when he didn't yes, need to be. He was. So because he and, wanted and, to be and, the king. Right. And, and to chime in, it's it's because of the success that Big had. Right. Big had right. that commercial success where he sold five million out the gate. Nas needed sales. Illmatic, as good as it is, it didn't have the numbers that it was supposed to have. So he yeah. needed. And, and you know what, Steve Stout, I got to give him his credit. He's the one that told Nas, yo, you got to change up your sound. That's when the track masters came in. But yeah. you know what else? And I want to I just want to touch on something real quick before we move on. What you said about Q, about about Nas being, quote unquote, written off and done mm-hmm. as far as around the time of Stillmatic. The reason aside from Jay-Z, Nostradamus. Mm, Agreed. Yes. And, there's mean, many and, 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 and and granted, because we know the album got bootlegged, so you had to rush to put it out. For right. those of you for those of you who don't know or are younger listeners, people who are younger than us, back in the day albums came out on CD. There was no Apple Music, there was no no title, no streaming, nothing. But apparently like the tapes leaked, people was putting them out on 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 illegal bootleg mixtapes yes. without without the label's consent, without Nas's consent. And and the streets heard the album before it came out, so they had to rush to put something out that was different than than what was put out. So you know, granted, uh, my, one of my favorite Nas songs of all time is on Nostradamus, but uh, please don't sing the hook. Please don't sing the hook. Out of my oh lord! <laughs> there you go again, destroying Ron Isley, man. I love Ron Isley. Shout out to Mr. Big. He should come on the show one day. But anyway, um, but yeah. So not only did Jay Z was coming after him, but the previous release was lackluster. And as a Nas fan, because Nas is my like third favorite rapper, and as a Nas fan. To hear I am after hearing Illmatic and, and it was written, even like, you know, like he like Nas in the video for Hate Me Now, he's d- 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 jigging around with Puffy wearing a what was, I, I think that was a, like he was trying to be. I like to call that that era. We we know him as Escobar, but it's like shiny suit Nas. It was, was a hot. hot yeah. it, it was a hot video, though. It was that a hot video. video. But we all know that wasn't Nas. Nas Nas was never a, a good fit for the shiny suit. But era you still got Nas's but, but you still got Nas's like from that album anyway. So it was like Great in between. Song. That's true, but he gave us some he get uh, I understand exactly what you mean. And and Nas said it himself when he talks about it. Cause what stood out? That long QB piece, that chain around his neck. We all know that chain. He had that with the mink coat. He had that with the, um, you know, with the shiny suits and everything, because that's what that's that, that's what was hot at that time. That's what was hot. You know what I, I mean? My bad to cut him, but I feel like he still kept it Nas and I am. You know, favor for a favor is a great song. He did. Oh, did also, but that, yeah. You know yeah. what's funny? You know what's funny on I am? Uh, I always laugh when I hear Doctor Knockboot. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying about that one. Mm-hmm. But but you know what I want to ask you guys about Stomatic. I mean, jumping into it, I was surprised that he addressed Core Mega, Nature and Prodigy. What did yeah. you guys think of that? Oh man, I was. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was taking because you know that's my backyard there. You know, I'm from Astoria, Queensbridge, yeah. Ravenswood, right there. So you know, I know about the hill and everything. So when he did that publicly, it was I didn't huge. Think he would you know. Do it. I didn't, I didn't think, think so he would either. do that publicly. He, yeah, he was pushed into a corner, man. He was attacked, and you know, just everybody had to get it, even Mega and Nature. Wow. <laughs> but, 
But um, but you know what it is from his mindset, he probably was like, well, if I'm addressing one beef or one hater or one issue, let me just address it all. Like he came out with a vengeance. Yeah, I agree. He that boy he came was, out with a vengeance. He and, he he had the intention, according to him, he was gonna do an all beef record, just an album with just disses. Mm. That was the original intention he was gonna do for that album. Oh man. But I mean, hey, I'm glad still. I'm glad we got Stillmatic because, you know, that that brought Nas back. And let me let's go around the room before we wrap up on this album. We'll start with you, Eric. Um, if you had to choose one, and you could never listen to the other again, what you picking? Illmatic, Stillmatic. Ooh. <clears throat> now that's man. There's no wrong answer for that. Um, no. personally, I'm taking Stillmatic. You know, the age I was when that came out in 2001, you know, I was I was young when um, Illmatic came out, but with Stillmatic, just that time period, it really sticks out to me. It, it was just so impactful. Like UG said, the album just impacted our time there. And people do tend to gloss over that album. And, you know, I got to give Stillmatic its due because everyone else, you know, the majority would probably pick Illmatic. So I'm going to just rock with Stillmatic. Right. OK, OK. And um, Q, same question. Beautiful answer, E. Beautiful answer. I gotta go. I, I mean, I got, I gotta go with Illmatic because of what Illmatic was, um, because of what it represented and how it brought back that resurgence that New York needed. Because it's, 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 it's more personal for me because I remember the days of summer camp growing up and. And hearing on the radio, not in '87. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? And I and I loved it. And I was like, man, this is this is something totally different. And just just the lyricism and the wordplay and the storytelling. Stillmatic is beautiful. Stillmatic was perfect for what it was for that year. But I I truly feel that the be all end all. When you look at Illmatic and when you look at the acclaim that it got, Illmatic is in college curriculums mm. for a reason. Because of what it because of what it is. And this is and this is a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kid. It took him years to do this. And for him to craft such a beautiful project that gets heralded from all these different MCs, your favorite rapper loves Illmatic. That's why Illmatic is important. So I got to go with Illmatic. And um, just to piggyback off that, if I had to choose one, I'm choosing Illmatic only because. And I hope y'all understand this when I say it, but the production makes it sound more like more musical, if that makes sense. Understandable. Like, like there's a from the production alone and even the themes of the album and just the way it sounds, it comes off as more of a uh, a musical masterpiece. If I'm I'm trying to find the right words because I'm not trying to knock Stillmatic at all. But like you, you, you get what I mean, right? Like, oh yeah, the melody and 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 as far and as far as like the essence of hip hop in and of itself, Illmatic I would say is a perfect hip hop album. Agreed. Like if I would, if somebody was to say, if somebody who didn't know rap was to was to ask me, hey, I've never heard rap before, but I want to give it a chance. What record should I start off with? I don't think anybody would say Stillmatic. Just my opinion. But I I I could be wrong, but that that's just me. 
Yeah, the majority definitely would say Omatic. Yeah. But as QG said, people do um, definitely gloss over this um, still Matic sometimes. Like it wasn't a five mic album. Right. Now, mm-hmm. our next uh, album on the list has two sequels, which is going to be the first of, <laughs> of, of, of two here. Uh, we got uh, Jay-Z's The Blueprint, The Blueprint 2, and The Blueprint 3. Um, Eric, you want to kick us off on the, on the Blueprint series? The original Blueprint is is just a classic on its own because he had penned it in about two days that he wrote that album. And he took the crown at that time and just held it. And, you know, Nas was definitely on hiatus. He had personal issues and lackluster sales and everything. But Jay-Z just stepped up and just like, you know, New York is mine. You know, big. It's been years that he's been gone. And, you know, Jay-Z kind of took the flag for us. And when he created the blueprint, you know, he introduced us to Just Blaze and Kanye West and put them on a a more mainstream scale with, you know, the production they did. And even Girls, 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 just just commercially, he just hit everything right on target with everything that he did. And Blueprint was just, I feel like it's it's the best one out of the three. Um, Blueprint 2... I felt it was kind of rushed. It was a double disc, which I was excited about, but I felt like he kind of just rushed it and kind of just put something out or put something out. Um, some commercial songs there, it worked. Like, excuse me, miss, that's, you know, definitely a club banger. You go anywhere and, like, you hear it and, you know, right away the chorus, you hear Pharrell, you know. But um, I feel like on the on title track where he was um going at Nas there, he was still trying to, trying to beat a dead horse there that, you know, wasn't, you know, everyone kind of knew... Uh, Ether was just kind of the last word there, but you know, I feel like he, he could have did without that on that album. And on part three, I actually like part three um way better than two. I think a lot of people will agree. Um Agreed. and Empire State of Mind just just made an anthem for our city. You know, you you go out of town. I've been out of town and I've heard that, you know, play and just hear everyone singing to it. I'm like, man, these guys have no idea. From but New Alicia Keys should slap you. (laughs) (laughs) She won't. She should. And I felt like he just came out like Ric Flair on that one because he already multi-time champion just coming through introducing J. Cole on A Star Is Born to us. You know, that was was pretty big. And, you know, he went to executive produce his album. And, you know, he still was throwing alley-oops to people like he used to, like with Beans and, you know, his former crew. But I felt like on Blueprint 3, you know, he was super polished and, you know, it was it was a really solid album there. But um, Blueprint 1 for me, just it just sticks out the most, especially with just how bad 2 was. OK, what about you, Q? Blueprint 1 is a classic. I can listen to that album all day from front to back, back to front. And it holds a special place in my heart because my father bought me that album. Hmm. My father bought me the Blueprint album and many, 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 many mornings going to school, (laughs) going to St. John's Prep. You know what I mean? We're we're listening to that album. And it kind of struck me because it didn't dawn on me with the rulers back because he was talking spicy on that record. Mm. Your rain on top was shorter than leprechauns. And I'm like, 
Okay, mm-hmm. all right, all right. Then you know he said the rulers back and all. I said okay, okay. Now we're get. But then when takeover dropped, I said, whoa, what's going on here? I didn't know about the situation with Nas or Mob Deep or Prodigy. It was mostly about Prodigy. But that second verse, I don't care if you Mob Deep. I hold triggers to cruise. You little fuck. I got money stacks. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what's going on here? Because I love Mob Deep. I said, there's an issue between JC and Mob Deep. And he went in on Prodigy heavy. And then he was like, you guys don't want it with Hove. Ask Nas, he don't want it with Hove. I said, no, what's this? You're dissing Nas? I said, no, this is bad because now I'm torn because I love Jay-Z. But I'm like, what are you doing? And so sampling, amazingly done. Kanye, you really did your you did your production on this one, man. Um, with Izzo and TakeOver. And like E mentioned, girls, girls, girls. Uh, and again, you mentioned this, Al. There's only 13 tracks on here. You could count in the bonus hidden tracks, 14, 15, Breathe Easy, and Girls, Girls, Girls. But Jay-Z really, I felt that Jay had to do this album. Because E, you mentioned it. At the time prior to this, he's trying to push these new artists. He's trying to push Beanie Siegel. He's trying to get a mill out there. Memphis Bleak, we know Bleak. He's trying to get him. He's trying to push this new talent and just take the executive producer role. But Rockefeller, Def Jam needs a solid record. And this album came out on 9-11. Yep. Which is crazy. Not, not that that's intentional. Which is not intentional because nobody knew no. that people were going to fly planes into the World no. Trade Center. No, no, no. Nobody could have predicted that would happen. And this actually impacted the sales, you know, because a lot of promotion had to stop uh, at the time. But it's a, it's a, it's an amazing, fantastic album. I got something that'll blow your mind, guys. Talk to me. You know, girls, 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 um, part two. In fact, even on the original, girls, girls, girls. You know that melody where you hear that, oh, baby, you know who that is? Who? Who's that? That's Michael Jackson. Really? Michael has uncredited vocals on this album. There's no coincidence that he came out on that Summer Jam stage for a reason. Mm. He I was always trying part. to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. He did, he, did, he did some background vocals for Jay-Z. So there was, so, you know, there was some work that was done there. It wasn't, it wasn't random. Um. Real quick, um, going into the next one. Blueprint 2, too many songs. Yeah. Too many songs, too much filler. Jay-Z said it himself. And, again, there were some good songs on there. There were some, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a totally different ballgame now. Because now, it's a year later. It's 2002. You got two CDs. You got all these commercial hits. I mean, my favorite songs... I love The Watcher Part 2 because of Rakim's verse. I didn't care about Bonnie and Clyde for a reason. And really? Al, just, Al, you know oh, why. I know, the, I know the reason. Come on, man. Who, like, who did, I was who like, did, who did it first? Nah, man. I said, no, 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 no. I can't listen to that. Me With and the my same, girlfriend. The same exact beat. Is, yes, the same exact beat. Um. And and also, uh, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but at no, this no, time, no. 
at this time, a lot of people were saying that Jay-Z bites lyrics. Jay-Z don't write his own shit. Jay-Z take, takes Biggie stuff. He Not only did he take the beat from me and my girlfriend, he partially recycled the hook. Uh, yes, he did. All I need in his life is sin. Is me and my girlfriend. The only, right. difference, and be, the only difference right. is that when Tupac did it. He was talking about a gun. He was talking about a gun. And then, you know, um, as one is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a favorite posse cut of mine. It had the entire Rockefeller on there. Yep. We, uh, mentioned, we mentioned that on the posse cuts uh, episode available. Right. In the right. right. What they're going to do part two, I really like. So, I mean, Blueprint 2 had its had its hits. But it also had his misses. The the diss track Blueprint 2, if he would have came out with that other than Super Ugly, you probably would have had a different battle. I still would have edged it to Nas, but that was a better diss than Super Ugly because he had time to think and craft something. Plus, I'm a big Western fan, and I love the good, the bad, the ugly sample that they used on it. I thought that was dope. Um, Blueprint 3, digital. Very digital, because now we're in the digital age, and it was a good album. It, w- it, was, good for, it was good for what it did, because like um, you know, my brother E said, prior to that, you had Kingdom Come, you had American Gangster. American Gangster is better than Kingdom Come, but you needed something else. And Jay-Z sticks with the same formula, if you guys notice. He works with the Neptunes. He works with Timberland. West. He works with No ID. He works with Just Blaze. It's great when he has these in-house producers that he worked with, because now when you look at Blueprint 3, J. Cole came in and bodied that record. Every day a star is born. You got uh, Death of Auto-Tune, which really messed up T-Pain. Thank you, Jay-Z. You did us all a favor. Oh, stop. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Run This Town with Kanye West and Rihanna. It was a hit record. Empire State of Mind was a great record with Alicia Keys. Uh, on to the next one. I really like that one. That's a good one. It's a very good, like, <clears throat> Venus versus Mars. Good story. That's that's my yeah. favorite on that album, actually. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Blueprint 3, which came out in... Uh, 2009. So now we got a huge, huge, huge jump here. But it was a good album. So overall, I got to go with Blueprint. Blueprint is my favorite. But from one to two to three, you see the change in the transition. But Al, talk about it. All right. So uh, what can I say that hasn't already been said in here? Um, so Blueprint 1, certified classic. Um, the same hunger that that um that Nas had on Stillmatic that we mentioned previously. Jay-Z had that same hunger because it's wartime, it's beef time. He's trying to end Nas. So I get it, even though uh some people could say that he got out sh- outshined by Eminem on Renegade, which is Oh yeah. Yeah. You so, guys believe that? Did Eminem murder Jay on his own shit? I believe so. I believe so. And I'm and you know me, I'm not the biggest Eminem fan in the world, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll give him that. But um but yeah, so he gets outshined, but it's great album, classic album. I feel the Blueprint 2 could have been up there with Blueprint 1 had Blueprint 2 just been one disc. Yeah. If it was just one disc, and we know what songs would Because you know what's crazy? I don't know if you guys remember this, but Rockefeller re-released Blueprint 2. Yes. And the, and the cover in the background was red. And it was I remember disc. that. 
with the best songs from each disc on one. Mm. That was a smart idea. They did do that. But had they did that originally and left and left the songs that weren't included on the single disc on the cutting room floor or left them in the vault or wherever, Blueprint 2 would have been great. But because I already heard the double disc, I didn't care for the the, the song selection on the on the on the on the single disc. Agreed. I'm going to I'm also going to agree with Eric when I when I would put Blueprint 3 over Blueprint 2. Um yeah. Blueprint 3 I feel is it a weird time because if you look at Jay-Z's discography and I had this conversation with with a friend of mine um Jay-Z I feel like his hunger died after the Black Album. Mm. I personally feel Jay-Z had no hunger for rap after 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 the Black Album like I, I I wholeheartedly think that at the time in 2003 2004 when Black Album dropped that he thought he was done for good. And he was people, supposed to be retired. Yep, and a lot of people can make the argument a lot of people can make the argument that, you know, after Black Album, Jay-Z really never even had a reason to rap after that. Look at all the other endeavors he was in. He he he, he had he had Rock Aware he was in the process at the time of, of buying a piece of the New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets. Um, he had his hand in different investments. Right. If Jay-Z would have never, ever made another song past the Black Album, he would have still been rich. And that's and that's a fair argument, don't you guys think? Of course. So, yeah, I agree. And then look what the output of content after the Black Album. Kingdom Come is, is nobody's favorite Jay-Z album. American Gangster, while while better than Kingdom Come, is is still nobody's favorite Jay Z album. So to get the Blueprint three, because I'm gonna be very honest, when I when I heard that the Blueprint three was coming out, I was like, oh goody, another Jay Z release. Not to say that it would have been bad, but it wouldn't have been up to the reasonable doubt volumes one, two, and three. Or, or Dynasty Rock La Familia, Jay-Z. And, and it's crazy because Jay-Z is an artist. If we wanted to talk about sequels, we could have talked about volumes one, two, and three as well. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I said to myself, there's no way this is going to be on the standard of one, two, one or two. I honestly thought when I first saw it, and I'll never forget because the week the Blueprint 3 came out was, my, was the same time it was my first week in York College in history. So, wow. I'll never forget, like my second day of class. I remember going to Best Buy right after. Got on a bu- got on the Q8, went to Gateway Mall, all the way from Jamaica, and I uh, went and copped copped the album. Shout out shout shout outs to those of y'all who, who ride the Q8. You know, goes to Sutphin. <laughs> shout outs to Sutphin. But um, but yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, and then I saw I saw the track listing on the back, and I'm like, okay, so he's got Alicia Keys on a record. And prior to me buying the album, the only song I heard was the was the joint with with Alicia Keys. So I'm like, Empire State of Mind. So I'm like, oh okay, all right, sounds good. But then the rest of the album, I was like, whoa, like this. You got this, Kid Cudi on there. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, like this this album is exceeding expectations. And I was just like, oh okay. And then you look at the track listing, like like I said, Venus versus Mars, um, my personal favorite on the album. Um, one one track that nobody touched on that I that I also liked on that album is uh, 
I want to be forever young. Oh, forever young. <laughs> but um, on to the next one is, is a great single. Uh, Run This Town, definitely, and uh, Death of Auto-Tune. You know, that, that like you said, killed T-Pain's career. Yes. But um, I don't think three anywhere near holds a candle to one, but three no. is a, a, a heavy step above above two. Yeah, and all of them are different. All of them don't sound alike. All of them don't deal with the same things. No, and that's true. But like I said, it's the it's it's the lack of hunger yeah. that that does it for me. Because again, after after Black Album, Jay Z didn't like. I feel like he tr- he he tried to overdo it with, with Blueprint too, and yeah. he had no reason to really make an album past Black Album. But hey, it was better than I than I had hoped, and it was better than the second one. But and as far and while we're on Jay Z for 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 a whole. I'm a, I'm gonna just go ahead and make a bold prediction. I don't think we ever get another Hove album ever in life, ever again. I think he's got one hiding. You think so? Maybe a I, un- think, I think I maybe think unre- unre- unreleased stuff in the vault. He might. Yeah, I, I agree. Unreleased stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we get no fresh new content from Hove in 2021. Or or he may or he may bless like a DJ Khaled song with like three who four knows, other on who, it. Who knows? Right. Who knows what year? Who knows what year Jay would come out with the album? But 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 that's Jay for you. Jay Jay is so is so sneaky with it. I say sneaky in a good way because it could all start out with just him being in the studio and hearing the beat, and he starts doing that nodding his head, and then he just starts rapping himself. That's how it starts. According to everybody that he's worked with, even after all his albums, when he gets in the studio and hears the beat and he starts rapping to himself, that's when it gets on. So I have a feeling Jay-Z has he has something hidden up his sleeve that he's just not putting out yet. But I agree with you guys. He's got a lot of stuff in the vault for sure. Absolutely. And um, while we, uh, while, while we on the uh, next one, I know this one is going to uh, I know this one is going to put a big smile on Eric's face. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Raekwon. Uh, we got yes. Only for Cuban Links versus All the sequel. Right. Only for Cuban Links too. Uh, Eric, take it away since you are our resident Wu Tang expert. Hey, hey, talk about that purple tape, man. Man, this is a home game for me. <laughs> if y'all heard the uh, Wu Tang podcast we did, um, it's just a masterpiece. Only built for Cuban Links. It's it's, you know, if you want to compare it to anything, you could say it's like a Wu-Tang version of The Chronic because, you know, as RZA mainly produced, it's all Wu features, it's yep. just the one Nas feature and just revolutionized the game too, even with just like um, posse cuts and, you know, with your own crew and compilations and it was just so so many gems on that album, man, man. Glaciers of Ice, Master Killer, you know, Master Killer, you know, one of the not spoken about mainly members of the crew, but, you know, he, he killed it. You know, he stepped up even, you know, think cuts like that where you don't even think somebody like Master Killer, you know, stands out or you God with knuckleheads, you know, he had a pretty good verse there, too. It, it was just out the park, you know, five mic classic. But um, Cuban Links, too. I feel like that's another album. I love Cuban Links, too. It's. It's great because from the production standpoint, they have multiple producers. They had Dilla on it. Uh, Marley Marl was on it. Eric Sermon, um, Dr. Dre uh, for the Underground Heads. Necro was on it. And it maintained that theatrical production. Um, Cold Outside is one of my favorite cuts on there. And 
just the end of that song, if you let if you let it breathe, it just sounds like like you're watching Kill Bill Part Three or something, you know. Sonny's mm-hmm. <laughs> missing. Pete Rock did that beat. That such a short song, but it, it takes you somewhere, man. Great story, great story. That production just will take you places, man. He's and they've done uh production before on um one of the Raekwon albums. If you want more info on that, you can see our Wu Tang podcast there on the list. Um, Broken Safety with the locks there. They mm, Styles P, Jada, great fit. That was oh, yeah. you know they the, the extension of what they did. But Cuban Links too should not be overlooked. I mean, you know, we're just human nature is to compare things. Uh, there's no comparing anything to uh, only vote for Cuban Links Part One. The Frozen Tape. There's, you know, Part Two is great. You know, I advise everybody to check that out if you haven't. But definitely, definitely, Part One. Just you know, it's it's hard to be beat. And um, you know what's funny about about this pairing? Very rarely do you see over a decade go by in between sequels. True. 14 years, 95 to 2009, went by. Mm. Mm-hmm. And see, I, here's the thing about about this pair that that I that I that I admire. The artwork, with the exception of the color in the background, is almost the exact same thing. That's right. Yeah. Like with the sequel, he tried to like I give I give Ray I give Ray a hell of a lot of credit. With the with the sequel, he tried to stay so true to form to the original. It's, yes, it's, he did. And you know what that tells me? That's as if the artist is saying to to me, the consumer, the listener, what I did in '95 was so great that I don't want to go and tarnish the legacy of, of what I did previously. And that speaks volumes, because even to the point, not only is the artwork the same. He had a uh, he had Ghostface reprise his role as Tony Stark's the entire album. Yes. The exact yes. same formula. Yes, because there is no there is no Cuban links without Tony. And with the ex- and with the exception of Buster and Slick Rick and uh, and Beanie Siegel and and Jada and Styles, the 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 features are all mainly woo. Yes. Granted, yes. on the first one, like Eric mentioned, and like we mentioned on the Wu-Tang episode available in the archives, um, Nas was the only non-Wu-Tang feature on, on on the first Purple Tape. But, I mean, the formula is pretty much the same, and both albums are just, are, are, are just as good. I, I would give a slight nod to the original, but that's yeah. not taking anything away from, that's not taking anything away from the, uh, from the sequel. Uh, Q, anything you want to add? Absolutely. Um, 1995, when Only Bill for Cuban Links came out, it's a perfect album. It's it, it's a perfect album. It has everything that you could want in it. It has the rhymes. It has the story. It has the production. This is one of the cornerstones. After when 36 Chambers came out, now it was the solo time for the artists to really come out with their records. And this album really 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 stood out i mean god ice cream heaven and hell verbal intercourse can it be so simple the remix rainy days incarcerated scarface is my favorite on here 
And once again, pointing out, it's beef time. Niggas bit off Nas shit. You heard what Ghostface said about that. Yep, <laughs> at the time, at the time, it was it was beef time. Ray and Ghost, you know, they were saying what they were saying. I got beef with White though, bleaching his eyesight. He said that, so people need to know. Ray wasn't playing around. Ray came and established himself as an MC. Amazing album, incredible. I feel only built for Cuba Links too. This is something Ray needed. Because when you look at In Between, Immobilarity, a lot of people talk bad about that album. The Lex Diamond story in 2003, okay. You know what I mean? But now it's time to go back to the beginning. It's kind of like the Eye of the Tiger. When Apollo Creed tells Rocky Balboa, you got to go back to the beginning. You got to get that Eye of the Tiger, the edge. Not to say that Ray lost it. Ray did not lose it. Not at all. Lyrically, no. But you need a sound. You need that sound that caters to what you do. And ironically enough, this album, Only Built for Cuba Link 2, it was actually pushed through Ice Age 2O and EMI, and it had the Aftermath umbrella behind it. Yeah, different, different labels, because wasn't the first one on Loud? It was loud. Steve the Steve Rifkin one, backed that one, didn't Steve, he? Steve Rifkin backed the original only built for Cuban links to Purple Tape. So now this one, you got a whole range of producers. You got Alchemist. You got Dr. Dre. You got Eric Sermon. You got Jay Dilla. You got all these. You got Mathematics. You got Pete Rock. You got all these different people. And the good thing about only built for Cuban links part two is it kept the same the same type of energy from part one but now you see maturity these guys are a lot older now but the house of flying daggers inspected deck comes out the gate goes crazy sonny's missing is a amazing story that's the thing with the mafioso area with the with the woo gambinos and everything like that that's exactly what they are you know and shout out to capadonna capadonna came on here came on here once again it's another thing without capadonna you don't have any purple tape you need capadonna they talked about crack the street stories and a tribute a beautiful tribute to asan jones to odb yes you needed that that was important you know what i mean that was a Wu member that everybody loved and um we will rob you with Slick Rick. That was a good record. That was that was a that was a nice homage to storytelling and everything like that. Buster Rhymes is on here. It was a good album. It's an album Ray needed. Ray needed only built for Cuba Link Part Two because prior to that, with his previous work, he wasn't getting the respect he deserved. So this was kind of like a resurgence, much like we talked about Stillmatic. This was going back to the beginning to create a good album, but. Obviously, the cult favorite, the personal favorite, will always be the original Purple Tape. But you could listen to this one and enjoy it. And if you don't believe me, check out the song Black Mozart, <laughs> produced by RZA. <laughs> well, well spoken and, and and well said, my friend. And um, like you said, two 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 different record labels, yeah. um, a decade more than a de- almost a decade and a half apart, and he Agreed. he doesn't he doesn't miss a step. No, sir. All right. So we're wrapping that one up. 
Um, we'll go to the next one on the list, which uh, this sequel is uh, much more recent. Uh, we got Buster Rhymes uh, Extinction Level Event 1 and ELE 2. Uh, Q, you want to start us off on this? Yeah, sure. Um, we, t- we touched on our, our 2012 albums review, which is in, which is in the archives, everybody, everybody go check that out. The original extinction level event was released, uh, in 1998 and it was a good follow-up to, uh, Buster Rhymes second album, When Disaster Strikes. This is, this is, this is album number three. And there were so many hits on the original ELE. I mean, you got Tear the Roof Off, produced by Swiss Beats. And look at the year. What year did I just tell you? This is 1998. Swiss Beats is everywhere. So he was tailor-made for this. You know what I mean? And then, again, he he did another one, Just Give It, Just Give It To Me Raw. Rock Wilder is on this album. You know, give me some more, which was produced by DJ Scratch. Give me some more was a good album. I, I still laugh at that video. That video is hilarious. Um, What's it gonna be? Which was also on Violator. Buster was with Violator Management. Janet Jackson is on here. Hype Williams directed the video. It's one of those crazy off the wall space age videos. It was a good album. Another solid release consistently by Buster Rhymes. That's the thing I need to point out when we talk about these albums in between to the sequel consistency plays a part Buster's debut album is a classic when disaster strikes is a great album ELE is a good album it's sold over 1 million copies he got awards for it so now you jump forward you get past anarchy you get past genesis you get past it ain't safe no more. You see how we're going down the timeline. You go to the Big Bang. You go to Back on My BS. Ugh. You go to Year of the Dragon. Now, we are in 2020. Extinction Level Event Part 2. Wow. Where do you go from here now? That's the thing that we need to point out. When you have a critical acclaimed classic, it's a lot of pressure to try and top that original pressing. But how smart is Buster? So much went on in the year of 2020 that he talks about it in ELE Part 2. Again, Swiss Beats is back on here with The Purge. Jay Dilla is on here. You got The Rockwiler on here. You got all these different people on here. You got Knots. You got Scratches back. You got Premiere. You got High Tech. You got all these different sounds. One thing I need to point out. When you're a producer and you work with an artist like a Busta Rhymes, you have to come up with a track to match this man's energy. Yeah, Buster's, fair enough. Busta is one of the most energetic MCs of all time. You have to do something to get that level of creativity and intensity out of him. And Ely 2, to me, it wasn't really looking at the commercial, like the first Ely. ELE was commercial success with hit records. This was more about a reminder of a statement because here you have an MC, Buster Rhymes, who's been in the game for 30 years. He's an aged MC where people talk about, oh, well, this person has to retire. No, 
he reminded you of how nice he is and how technical he is. And especially with the people that he collaborated with, he put all his career in ELE part two. And to me, like we discussed, it's one of the best albums, if not the best album of 2020. Shout out to Busta Rhymes for being able to do that. Not a lot of people can do that. But my personal pick, I'm going to go with part two. I love the first ELE, but I'm going to take part two because of what part two represents of everything that's going on in 2020. Busta talks about it. Okay, fair enough. Um, Eric, what's, what, what's your opinion between um, ELE one and two? Uh, Eric, if you can hear us, I think uh, I think you're on a uh, on mute again. Oh, yep. Small technical difficulties. I'm back. Yeah, we're back. We're good. We're good. We're back. So, um, Extinction Level Event, definitely a solid underrated album. One of his um early earlier album droppings in his collection. Um, it kind of gets overshadowed by you know his his debut and you know some of the works he had later. And he actually had Ozzy Osbourne on it, which I felt like was pretty impressive. Yeah. It's, yeah, album felt like a, a one big party, not really the end of the world, as he was um, talking about on throughout um, the album there. And um, they gave me some more video. That was probably one of the best videos of all time visually. It was it was very hard to duplicate. You haven't seen many videos like that. Definitely impactful when it came out, just from like an animation standpoint. And he has so much visionary energy on this album. You know, he had a vision and a story, and he brought the energy to match it. On part two. I like they like you know what QG said he touched on today's issues and you know Minister Farrakhan was there and even Chris Rock was there dropping gems throughout the album it, it was great hearing him there it's been a while since we've heard Chris Rock or seen him on anything but Adam Sandler movies there um, <laughs> <laughs> but Buster showed depth and adaptation and you know when he had Kendrick and M there he matched them bar for bar you know he stood tall with them and those guys definitely are some heavyweights you know say what you want about M. You know, but <laughs> he he's definitely uh, one of the top lyricists. Um, you know, he kept pretty much the same production team, as QG said, with Rockwilder, Knotts, Swiss. Swiss was on The Purge, pretty much same guys for part one. Yep. And um, he added Ninth Wonder there with the uh, Rhapsody track, Best I Can, which was a beautiful song. He spoke on his relationship with his children's mother and, you know, some of the hard times they had. But at the end of the day, he gets respect for doing the best he can for his kids. And um, he was given the green light to make that song I heard. But, hey, man. yeah, I have to agree with QG here. If I if I had to choose, I would pick um, part two. Okay. And I, I'm going to agree with both of you gentlemen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and, and give the nod to, to part two. Only because Buster's in a, Buster's in a, in a, in a weird, like in two different places. Like when the first one came out, like, you know, he already had the coming. Uh, he had, he had um, when disaster strikes, you know, um, he already, he was coming off of the heels of success. Now you fast forward to 2020 and let's not, let's not sit here and pretend like back on my bullshit. And um, I forget the name of the album. It's crazy because I wouldn't even listen to it. The name of the album after back, back on my bullshit. Um, you talking about the year of the dragon? Yes. We, we, we're not going to sit here and pretend like those albums were good or even great. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't had success. It's fair to say he hadn't had musical success in a long time. Mm-hmm. So he had, and again, as in, as in the theme of the night of this episode, 
he had he had that hunger. So, you know, and everybody and like I said, and we mentioned it last week when we talked about um we talked about this album on our on our um year in review uh episode. People that written Buster off and due to ageism and hip hop, which I think is very, very toxic. A lot of people are like, oh, Buster coming out with an album? Man, we ain't listening to that shit. That shit is whack. But he proved everybody wrong. And like I said last week, and I'll say it again this week, I feel like ageism in hip hop is so wrong. Because in other aspects of, of the world, like in sports, uh, Bernard Hopkins won, 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 the world, won the world title at, uh, I believe, almost 50 or at 50. Everybody stood up and applauded. George Foreman, old, oldest world champion, everybody applauded. LeBron James just turned 36 and still putting up crazy numbers and, and is still winning championships. Everybody's applauding. You get a rapper in their 40s or 50s coming out with a project, nobody want to support. So I feel like he did this as to say, yo, just because I'm old, don't count me out. That's right. And I feel like that that hunger and that drive for, for, for those reasons, it gives it gives ELE2 the nod over, over ELE1. Yeah. 2020 was the year of the comeback. Yep, 2020 yeah. was the year to come back because um, we we saw veterans come out with new projects. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I can't say uh, much else because everything else has already been said. <laughs> but I, I think it's a unanimous decision um, that ELE two is getting a nod here. Uh, all right, next, and this is going to be an interesting topic with me. Um. Eminem's Marshall Mathers LP versus Marshall Mathers LP two. This is gonna be very interesting. Mm. Um, Q, you want to start us off? Sure. Um, the Marshall Mathers LP is the album that made me an Eminem fan religiously. I really? heard moreover yes. Slim Shady. No, listen. I I heard the Slim Shady LP, and I was like, okay, it's good, but I can't really get into this guy because, again, the first thing I heard was my name is, is like, hi, kids. Do you like violence? Want to see me stick nine-inch nails to each? I said, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> the shock value. <laughs> I, yep. said, I said, I had never heard anything like this before. And then I heard guilty conscience and all this other stuff. I said, okay, dude is talented, but I can't really get into him. When I heard the way I am, I said, oh, now, now we have something because now he's getting personal. Now I understand who you are and what you're doing and what you're talking about. And again, Stan, to me, is one of the most incredible, well-crafted, well-written stories that has ever been told. To paint a picture of putting somebody that you don't know, you're introducing somebody to the world, you're giving them a face, you're giving them a name, you're giving them a title. And the way you paint this picture, and it's so vivid, it's like watching a movie. I said, Eminem is now showing me his ability to be a writer. Now, 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 you, now you've intrigued me besides your technique. You're, you're showing me your storytelling capabilities. May, may may I may I chime in for just one second? Go ahead, if you don't mind. No, as, go ahead. as as far as the actual songs stand, I feel like because again, I I've always said that early Eminem 
has always been a shock value rapper. He just makes lyrics and says things and does things that just right. make you just make you say like, "Whoa, like the fuck is wrong right, with this?" Right, guy? right, right, right. However, Stan showed that not only was he able to write and storytell, he has emotions. Yes. Now, and, that, and, 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 yes. Not, and, and they're emotions that a lot of people can relate to because obviously he, he's dealing with a murder suicide and yeah. not not saying that we've ever had these thoughts, but I'm sure there have been people out there who have thought of harming others and harming themselves. And, and it's crazy because for anybody who hasn't seen this music video, forget the song for a second, but just the video, I recommend that you go and look this video up because I'm not going to lie. I, I have a difficult time watching the, the Stan music video sometimes. It's very difficult to watch. The thought of the thought of somebody because a celebrity didn't write them back that they they decide to take their pregnant girlfriend bound and gagger, throw her in the trunk and drive the car off the fucking bridge like that's that that's that's crazy. I mean, but again, the production was perfect. Dre, Melman, you guys are, 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 are evil geniuses. And I need to point out the collaborations RBX is on here. I didn't hear RBX for many, many years, and he's on here. He wasn't. He wasn't even on 2001. I said, "Oh my God, I can't believe it." RBX is on here, but Sticky Fingers destroys that record. Remember me, Sticky Fingers went crazy. Oh, oh, e, I, I, yo, yo, I, I, you know this. Sticky Fingers went hamburger helper on this record. (laughs) And then and then you get introduced to a guy named Bizarre. I said, what in the hell is this? I thought Eminem was bad with the sick, twisted shit. You got a guy named Bizarre coming in with something else. From D12, yeah? Yeah, and then, and then, and then D12 is, is introduced on the song called Under the Influence. He got that song, Kim, which is one of the most violent songs I ever heard, where he talks about killing um, his baby mother. Uh, I'm not going to get into too many details of that because that's been overdone. But the Marshall Mathers LP, classic. It sold wonderfully. It is a critical acclaim album. This was released in the year 2000. So now we jump in between time. You know, you got all these other albums that came in between. Eminem Show, Encore. Relapse and all this stuff. A lot of changes have happened since then. And now, you know, you get to uh, part two. And obviously, automatic, I went for it because of the okay, I want to see what Eminem is going to do on this one because this is a part two. This is different. So let's see what you got. So listening to this album, I said, okay. It's a it's a it's a it's a pretty good album. This came out in 2013. What did it for me? He put in more rock sounds. Well, you know why that you know why that is. Why he put more rock sounds in this album? Yeah, who 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 helped with the production? Well, yeah, I mean I mean come on. When you talk about Rick Rubin, you got to talk about rock. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so besides you got Dr. Dre, now you got different people here. You got you got you got Rick Rubin being a part of this. And some of the songs were good. Some of the songs stood out. Like I like the fact he worked with Kendrick. It, you know, it's like, okay, you got two aftermath artists, and this shows like Eminem is embracing Kendrick. Like, hey, you're part of the family, welcome. Um 
the song. Um, he had Skylar Gray on here. I didn't. I. I. It was yep, great on, to see Skylar Gray again. Yep. On 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 the song titled "Asshole." <laughs> uh. <laughs> yo, that hook. I, yo, that hook. You are such an asshole. Everyone knows. Uh huh. You enjoy <laughs> yo. that hook, don't you? Oh, that, yo, that makes me laugh every time. Uh, rap God got a lot of got a lot of appraisal because of because of the because of his technique. I think Eminem focused more about his technique as a rapper instead of just create telling a story. Now he's just gonna rap. He's just gonna rap for you. Monster with Rihanna stood out. I'm friends with the monster. Rihanna didn't want to do that record. She didn't because 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 of the record that they did together previously. I love the way you lie. She felt nothing could top that. <laughs> was she wrong? That's <laughs> why she didn't want to do it. But M convinced her, and Monster, Monster is good. Like again, th- th- there's a special chemistry with Rihanna and M. Um, Rhyme or Reason is another good one. Like he had some good stuff on here, stuff that you could really get into and listen to. But I gotta go with the first one. The Marshall Mathers LP is just is is is, is that's his masterpiece. To me, okay. that's his best work. Honestly. Okay. Um, e, e, what what do you say? Well, just like you touched on, it was a lot of shock value on the Marshall Mathers LP. You know, he had lyrics like, "You want me to fix up these lyrics while the president gets his dick sucked? Fuck that! Take drugs, rape sluts, make fun of gay clubs, men who wear makeup." You know, he went off on on this album, man. It was, you know, I had to um listen to it a couple days to revisit it because. I remember it, but I kind of remember it vaguely. But um, once I popped it in, I was like, "Oh man, this is why <laughs> it's pretty selective with it." Back in the day, it was a lot of um, about lyrics like that. Um, Stan, as we touched on earlier, it's just one of the all-time songs. Not even hip hop, rap, just a, a universal song. It just came became an all-time term as well. You know, you say like, "Oh, someone, oh, he's standing me," it means like you know they're sweating you, they're obsessed with you. He revolutionized that, and that video was. Definitely, definitely uh, pretty dark. Um, yeah, I mean, I like songs, you know, where he te- he gets a little bit um, interpersonal there, like who knew? You know, he questioned his parents' leadership on that song, and you kind of see where uh, some of those issues uh, stem from there in them lyrics. I am definitely one of uh, the most underrated all-time songs, too. You know, Gosh. it's a good, great stand-up for yourself, make no excuses kind of song there. Yep. But uh, going into the Marshall Mathers LP Part 2, um, Bad Guy was a great intro. I actually was um, pretty excited when I heard that. I'm like, okay, you know, let's see. Get some good consistency here. And um, it seemed like on that song he had his emotions a little bit more under control. And um, just it seemed that song seemed more of a, a mature version of I Am because he's still kind of uh, talking to the doubters or everybody who pretty much had opposed them. Um Rhyme of Reason, great track on there, strong lyrics, good recap oh, of his yeah. career. Uh, but there's definitely songs there that I just overlooked there. Uh, Survival, that was just a uh, I, I wound up just skipping that maybe like two minutes in. I'm just like, yeah, no, nah, it's uh, really, yeah, it's looking for me, man. Uh, um, but he he it was pretty choppy on this album for me. Um, the the middle of the album, I just it just wasn't feeling towards the end of the album, it actually uh became better for me. Um, Monster was a great song. I mean, sucks Rihanna, you know, didn't want to do it, but uh, made her a couple more mil with that song oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, going back to, you know, me not feeling some tracks on the album, I feel like, you know, the Kendrick feature was just a waste of a feature for him. He- uh, Which one, on, um, on, on Love Game? 
Yeah. It's it's uh, it had like a whack beat, some Beach Boy sounding song. I just was yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. The production was a little crazy on there. It, it was it was it, you know I mean I mean just to chime in because that beat was like doom 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 doom. I was like uh yeah, yeah it's true. It did sound like Beach Boys. Yeah, where 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 was the Michael Jackson sample for that feature for Kendrick? You know, could have worked there with them. Um, Rebounded after that with headlights. It showed a lot of uh, uh, maturation towards the situation with his mom. He uh, addressed a couple things there. Good that they're on good terms, I guess, now. And um, the end, Evil Twin, was the uh, so-called seven-minute skit, but it just pretty much was a seven-minute song. But it was it was a great outro. I feel like some flashes of the old M was on that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I feel like kind of um, kind of like Nostradamus, the bad is just the bad. It's kind of it, for me, it was just unlistenable. Certain songs like the Kendrick one and ah, but um, Marshall Mathers LP, easy choice there for me. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna agree with you, even though Shock Value Eminem is not is not really my favorite. I feel like, see, me personally, I like I, my favorite version of Eminem is is when he made Recovery. I like mature Eminem. The the I'm no longer gonna talk about killing my 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 ex wife, mm-hmm. you know that 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 type of thing. But I gotta go with number one because I feel that Marshall Mathers LP one as far as the messages in the music. Yeah. Even though it's still shock value Eminem, like and like I even for the video of the way I am similar to similar to the video for Stan how it's morbid the way I am. What is the video? He jumps off the building and he's rapping until he falls till his death. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. It's just like, whoa, like this shit is crazy. And he but, felt the pressure for the sophomore jinx. Yes, he did. Yeah. They were worried about that. That's why he went so hard. And also, I got to give the nod to, to Marshall Mathers LP1 because, um, and I'm surprised that neither of you have, have, have touched on this point, but one of the greatest posse cuts and remixes at that of all time, uh, in my opinion, mean, Bitch Please is, Part 2. Bitch huh? Please Part oh, yeah. 2 is on, is, is on, um, is on Marshall Mathers LP too. So Agreed. I mean I mean, even though I'm not a fan of what I like to call shock value blonde hair era Eminem, uh I, I definitely gotta give uh, Marshall Mathers LP one nod. Uh, I think that Marshall Mathers LP two shines is an album that you can pick singles from. Yeah. So like if I was to make like if I was to compose my own best of Eminem playlist, I would take at least a good I would say three, four songs off of LP two. Even though, even though I gotta disagree with Eric, I, I didn't, I didn't think Love Game was a bad song or Survival. <laughs> but, but, but I agree so. with Eric on that. That beat was a little funny, man. I do, yeah. I do, I do find the song composition of 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 Emma and Kendrick going back and forth, line for line, in Love Game for a little bit kind of weird. But, hmm. um, but yeah, Rap God solid, uh, the Monster solid, and I like, I like Survival and. And the Rick and I and I like the Rick Rubin influence because it was it's different. Like there were bits and pieces of that album that reminded me of LL Cool J Radio as far as production was. Well, you know, M is a big fan of LL Cool J and a big fan of the Beastie Boys. So just to have Rick Rubin being a part of that, I'm sure he was elated. It felt like he was he's he's getting that type of energy from those records that Rick gave to LL and the Beastie Boys. And then also it says something because for Eminem to get Rick Rubin to work on an album. And in that time period, in 2013, Rick Rubin was long retired from making rap records. True. So that that tells you a lot from the respect factor that he had for uh, that they had for each other. 
Absolutely. He had to get Rick out of that cave, man. Rich shit. He was in the cave. You ever see that? You see that guy's beard lately? Like shit. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's, he's barefoot. He's got a long beard. I mean, Rick Rick Rubin is a guru, man. And that and that white tee that he wears was probably dirtier than Luke Harper's R.I.P. He's got a lot of money though, man. Yeah, he does. You can't you can't go you can't go off of Rick Rubin like that. Rick Rubin's caked up. That's true. Uh, on to the next round of albums that I'm particularly not too enthused about, because uh, I personally didn't like either one. Uh, we got Fat Joe, Jealous Ones, Envy. Oh, wait, hey, 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 come on now. Don't do that to Fat Joe. What the <laughs> hell is the matter with you, man? You know my favorite Fat Joe album. What is wrong with you? No, 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 no. Come on. Don't. Don't don't disrespect on, Joey man. Crack like that. Don't, I don't disrespect do Joey Crack. Joey Listen, Crack. if you want to sit here and talk about the genius of Don Cartagena, I can talk about that oh, album all day. You want to talk? Yo yo You want to talk about? You want to talk about the hunger? I had of to put this dude. I had to put this dude on Jealous Ones Envy. I love Jealous Ones Envy. Are you crazy? Bro, that's a great if album. If you want to talk about the hunger of Fat Joe the Gangster, we can Jealous talk about Ones that Envy. But <laughs> what? All right. Oh, so tell me and the people about these three albums. Yo, right? listen, 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 listen. Hustling is the key to success. Hey. Are you crazy? Listen, that's my that's my theme song right there. Jealous Once Envy, 1995. 1995, which is a great year that we've briefly talked about. This is East Coast hip hop. This is the Bronx. The first title track is a Bronx tale featuring KRS-One. You can't get no better introduction than that. Diamond D produced this. You got L.E.S. all over this album. You got Domingo. You got Premier all over this album. Fat Joe, I love the I love the old Fat Joe with the hard, aggressive rhymes with the boom bat beats. That's the Fat Joe I so, so, love. So, so, so you don't like all the way up? Uh, <laughs> all the way up. All the way up is a commercial record. It did what it did. I like Fat Joe's underground, non-commercial, commercial records, if you get what I'm saying. Because if you look at it like this, this album came out on Relativity Records with Violator Management. Shout out to Chris Slidey, man. All Violator, right. Violator was pushing, and Fat Joe is the dawn. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. You got all these great songs on here. You got... You got um. Envy, you got success that I just mentioned. You got Respect Mind featuring Raekwon. You got, this is a Bronx album. This is an East Coast album. You got Watch Out with Armageddon, Big Pun, and Keith Nutt. Come on, this is 1995. This album was great. I'm sorry. I love this album. This album is hard. Jealous Ones Envy, Joe. The acronym, it was good, man. I agree. I like that album a lot. Like you said, L.E.S. and Primo, they're out here making classics, man, on Illmatic and over here on Jealous Ones Envy. You know, yeah. I felt like Joe had to remind people about the Bronx on this album. You know, they kind of slept on him and, you know, he had to come and wake him up and let him know, like, you know, we we out here. We created this thing here. You know, this was yes. going on on Sedgwick Avenue, you yes. know. And personally, when I saw the success video, I identified with him off the bat. He looked like one of my uncles. You know what? And, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was I mean, in that video, man. Right. 
and, and there's not many prominent Latino MCs, so he influenced many of us to pick up the pen, man. I can't lie. I got to give it to Joe. There you go. I mean, come on. I, and, and as far as Jose is concerned, I, I, lo- I love the play on words. Yeah, yeah, it was dope. I love it. This is more of a commercial thing because now we're in 2001. Now you got Joe is seasoned. He's a pro. He understands the game. So now he realized he has to make these radio-friendly records. We yeah. thugging, featuring R. Kelly. What's Love, which is one of the biggest records of his career. Yeah. By Irv Gotti. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, you put that joint on. What's Love? All the ladies. They love it. They love that record. And then, uh, I, I mean, you got The Definition of a Dawn, produced by Alchemist. You yep. got Cool and Dre on here. You know what I'm saying? You got... You got all these different records. You got you got Exhibit on here on, on the song The Wild Life with Prospect. I love the fact that Ludacris was on here because this is 2001. So this is when Ludacris is really getting in there and coming in. Yo, tell me, Eats. Tell me or not, my lifestyle if that record is uh, hard. Bro. That's an anthem right Come there, boy. Now, what are you talking about, man? Y'all want to live my lifestyle. Never see the brick. Never see the crack house. Are you kidding me? Come on. You know what I mean? But as far as jealous, as far as jealous ones, um, you know, um, as far as the part two of that, it was more digital. Jealous One's still NV2. It was Joe's ninth album. This came out in 2009. Now we're in the digital age. Everything has changed. It's not following the formula of its predecessors. You got Akon on here. You know what I mean? I I, I wasn't really feeling this album too much. It's 12 songs. I mean, you know, you got songs like Cupcake. <laughs> you got you got the song One featuring Akon. You know, you got um, Put You in the Game with T-Pain. You know what I mean? You got Rico Love on here. It, yeah. it, it went to a different direction than what it had from the previous work. And I don't know where Joe was going with this one, but out of all, I love Joe. The first album, Jealous One's Envy. Jealous One's Still Envy, I can appreciate for the singles. Jealous One's Still Envy 2, I wasn't really, I wasn't really behind. But E, what do you think? Um, Jose, actually, like you said, you know, great catch on words over there. Yeah, I actually enjoyed that album. I mean, I know it's not one of his best albums, but um, it did have these anthems, like you were saying, you know, and um, not one of my favorite songs, but I know when it comes on, you know, everybody gets bumped into it. But we thugging with R. Kelly, you know, oh, before, yeah. pre-canceled or uh, uh, post-canceled R. Kelly. Uh, yes. Uh, pre, sorry, <laughs> before you know all of that, but um, that was heavily played on the radio. That's something I I remember. Like yesterday, but Joe is definitely one of the great personalities and characters in the game. And I feel like on this album, it showcased that to the world because when he had What's Love, you know, he had a lot of different ears listening and it kind of showcases his personality and who he is. And, you know, I may be a small bit biased here, but, you know, I enjoy Joe and his antics and stuff like that. Some of his albums, you know, like uh, Jose Part Two, I-, I could do without, but. Yeah. I feel like this was one of his uh, decent ones, but um, overall, Jealous One's Envy, that's, you know, 94, man, 95. It's it's just anything that came from there is just it's great. So. Amen, brother. <laughs> Al, what you got, man? Man, like I said, I feel like Don Cartagena is the, is the best 
uh, Fat Joe album. That's my personal opinion. Could be wrong. Um, I don't know. I, all right, as far as the three, we'll we'll stick to those. I I I'd say Jealous One's Envy is the uh, is is the better out of the of uh, of the works. Jealous One's still Envy, so it's in order. And then Jealous One's Envy too. Um, but yeah, I I just don't. I don't know. I just don't see what you guys see. I could again. I could be wrong. I know I'm gonna get a. I already know I'm gonna get a lot of hate email for for my hey, views on right. Eminem. You talk about me in Harlem, you'll never go back to the Bronx. Hey, hey, listen. I love the Bronx. We can talk about. We, I can sit here and talk about Boogie Down Productions and Karis One all day. You know I love them. Man, and I didn't say I don't. I didn't say I don't like Fat Joe. And you got us banned from Harlem. And I'm working very hard to fix that. Ain't nobody get nobody banned from Harlem. I told you my my issue. I'm not <laughs> that much of a Cameron fan. I love Big L. I love Puff. I love Mace. I love McGruff. I love I love the real Harlem. All that pink, sugar coated. Yeah, and you can you and you and you, and you and you keep bringing up uh, running in pairs of Tims out the Rucker. Like, come well, on, he did it. I didn't do it. He did it. Yeah, That's but not you're not supposed you're not supposed to bring that up. What you mean? It's documented yeah. footage. It's on YouTube. Everybody you, can go see it. You keep fucking around. You gonna end up like your man's Queen's Flip. Cameron gonna catch you and drag you out your car. <laughs> listen, shout out to Queen's Flip, but Cameron, but listen, Cameron ain't gonna drag me out the car. And if, as a matter of fact, Cameron ain't gonna tell from nobody. He not gonna snitch to nobody from Harlem. He's still gonna be king when he get home. Hey. <laughs> Yo, y'all gotta go watch Peyton full of y'all haven't seen it. But uh, continuing on our uh, our sequels list. Uh, I, now this one I'm looking forward to because uh, Q, you got a, woo, you got a uh, hell of a view on this one. We talk about the Carter series from Lil Wayne, one, two, three, four, and five. God, stop at one. What do you mean stop? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I mean, you know what? Why don't you, why don't you sparehead this one since, since, since you're gonna show everybody your New Orleans bias? Go ahead. I don't have New Orleans bias. Like I said, like uh, for people who for people who know me personally, like you know that's that's where the roots is at, and that's um you know that's my favorite rap city. So we want to talk about the Carter One classic. Why is it a classic, ladies and gentlemen? Carter One is a classic because aside, well, the first post Hot Boys Wayne album is 500 Degrees, but 500 500 Degrees was such a lackluster effort that. Well, let me not say lackluster effort, because I, I enjoyed it. But again, I know you're going to say it's biased. But the album just wasn't up to par for what we're used to for Lil Wayne. So a lot of people wrote Lil Wayne off as as done, right? Finish. Uh, career on life support. Um, a lot of What a lot of people don't know is around this time period, um, Lil Wayne considered leaving Cash Money because he thought that uh, because everybody else from the label's heyday had left, uh, of course, Juvenile, BG, Turk, that um that maybe leaving is in his best interest for his career too. Um obviously he didn't leave at the time and stuck through for a whole another decade plus. However, what makes this what makes this a, a classic album? Number one, you have the maturation of you have the maturation of the artist itself. Previously, Lil Wayne was in the Hot Boys. He had two albums while he was in the Hot Boys. Um The Block is Hot and Lights Out. And a lot of people can accurately say that, um, you know, the Hot Boys were like a, were the equivalent of like a boy band. Because at the time the Hot Boys were, 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 were hot, you know, you had NSYNC, you had, in, in pop music, you know, you had NSYNC, you had Backstreet Boys. A lot of people can say, you know, 
it was it was a gangster boy band pretty much so uh, or the rap equivalent to those groups not not trying to disrespect bg or juvenile or turk or anything like that but um so yeah so so when it came to wayne solo songs I mean, yeah, Wayne had, had grown material, but if you notice on those on, on that first album, The Block Is Hot, outside of the N-word, Wayne doesn't curse the entire album except for track eight, Fuck the World. And they actually, even on the explicit version, they bleep the F-word out. Mm. Um, yeah, they wanted Wayne to appeal to the young, the, the kids and the young teens. It wasn't until Lights Out where he starts cursing. Even if you like listen to his stuff on um the Hot Boys' first album, Get It How You Live, or even Guerrilla Warfare, outside of the N-word, Wayne does not curse. Now, this Wayne, this is adult Wayne. This is fully grown Wayne. And you see the maturity, because obviously, as as most, like, you know, preteen and teen rappers, when they get older, they're not talking about the same subject matter anymore. Um, he had a breakout. He, he proved he could still have a hit, because he, he came out with Go DJ, which was all over the charts. Um, I know you don't particularly like that song, Q, but... No, Eddie I Fresh produced it. Go no, DJ. Uh, that's my DJ. I told you it was Wayne's delivery that threw me off because that's not the Wayne I'm used to listening to. I like I don't know what he was doing with his vocals. He, man. he grew he grew up. His vocals changed. Were your vocals the same when you was 12 years old compared to you call, 25? You call you you call that growing up? He sounded like a damn gremlin. He grew up. Um, that's not that's not growing up. He sounded like Go DJ. That's my DJ. Also, um, it sounded actually... like he sound, it sounded like he swallowed a damn intercom. You sound like him. Oh my goodness. Uh, he, <laughs> he had the track. He had the track. Bring it back, which was also had some minor success. Um, and then he even showed his range. Um, he made a whole song talking about how he missed he missed the rest of the Hot Boys on um. I miss my dog. I miss my dog. That was a good song. So I'm like, yo, the, the range is here. He had um, he had only way. He had earthquake. He had um. Uh, on my own, like he, he's he's tackling topics that people are speculating on, like because the thought at the time, especially over the, uh, out there, was like, yo, we wonder how Wayne is gonna fare. Everybody left, Ju- uh, Juvie left, BG left, Turk left. Um, shortly after um, the Carter one, which I'll, I'll I'll get into in a minute on the Carter two, um, Manny Fresh is gone, so it's just like they're like, yo, how is Wayne gonna fare? And he fared okay to the point. That he even started, it was even, and he, 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 it's crazy because he started talking about he's the best rapper alive since the best rapper retired. Referring which to was bullshit. Hold which on. Bullshit. Hold on. <laughs> he lied. Which, obviously, because Jay-Z at this time was coming out with the Black Album, he had retired, so, you know, uh, Weezy, Weezy was coming for that throne. Um, now we move to the Carter 2, and the Carter 1 is already a classic in my opinion. A classic? Really? Yes, a classic. Oh. Now the Carter two, I, I I put in that uh in that category as well. Now let's you, take a look at the Carter. The Carter two right? is a classic. Yes, and I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> again, we're go. We're, hold, hey, again, we're we're going we're going with artist growth and maturity. Now fire first man, off, get in the fireman. Put you out. Yeah, get the damn extinguisher. Hold on. So unlike everybody else on this list. We've had who who have we had? We've had Raekwon, we've had Fat Joe, we've had Buster, we've had Nas, we've had Hove. What is up until this point, what is the one difference between Wayne and the rest of the others? They're not, they're not from New York. That. <laughs> well well yeah, not from New York, but in they're terms better of, lyrically. 
They're better lyrically. Can you take that bias out of your out of your soul? I'm telling you, I'm just I'm just telling you the damn truth. But what point are you trying to make here? Up until this point, exclusively, Wayne had only rapped over beats made by one producer. Mm. Uh. Because if you remember, at the time, what what the New Orleans labels were doing uh, on No Limit, if you weren't beats by the pound, with the exception of one Jermaine Dupri song, the production was not coming from nobody else. Cash Money. For all that time, from 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 goddamn 1990 all the way all the way till 2004, if if Manny Fresh didn't produce the beat, you wasn't rapping over nobody else's stuff. That's true. So, with the exception of a guest appearance on on the Violator album and on the Funk Flex, and I know you remember the Hot Boys was on Funk Flex on um, the Tunnel with Big Cap. Yes, they were. Um, and 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 one appearance on um the Notorious B.I.G.'s. I hope you niggas sleep. With the exception of those three songs, Lil Wayne had never rapped over a beat that Manny Fresh didn't make. So now this is a whole new challenge because Fresh is gone. So now the other question people are asking, all right, Fresh is gone. Wayne never rapped over a beat Fresh never produced. What can he do? And and not only that, but before the Carter II, if you look at Wayne's track listing, he, he never worked with anybody who wasn't signed to cash money. That's every, true, too. Every song on the block is hot. Every song on the lights out. It was Big Timers was featured. BG, Juvenile, Turk. Same people over and over and over and over. Mac-10 got on. He was working with Mac-10 because Mac-10 was signed to the label. But then the Carter 2 comes in. He's working with Corrupt. He's worked. I mean, like, he, well, Currency, he ended up sign, signing the cash money. But, like, it's just a whole, it's just a whole different sound. And look at the, look at the track listings we got, right? I mean, I know you don't like Fireman. I like Fireman. Mo Fire, I like Mo. Mo Fire. I mean, I, I give him credit for being consistent. Lock and Carl, so you don't you don't like you don't like hustler music. The beat is the the beat is fire. The beat is fire. Come on, man, listen to him. Young Weezy got that hustler music right to it, y'all. Jump to it, y'all. <laughs> it sounds like Mike Tyson swallowed a rat. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear lord come on like i mean the production is great i give him credit for being consistent this sold two million copies just like the previous carter so wayne is really putting in work consistently i will not i will never knock the man's work ethic but what the hell happened to this man's delivery did he get kicked in the balls before he go in the booth not to mention, at this time, he became the hottest rapper around because he was literally on everything. Yeah, he was on it. 2005 started it, and, and it all started with that Destiny Child song. Yeah. I'm a soldier, and go ahead, talk your shit. No, I, I got nothing to say. I mean, T.I. had the best verse. <sighs> all right, and then we go on to the Carter Three. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> what do you mean, Lord save have us, mercy? Save it. The most overrated album I've ever heard. Overrated? Overrated. E, should this album, should this album, this album won a Grammy. <laughs> this album won a Grammy, E. Do you realize that hip-hop is dead, the cool we're all nominated in the same category, and they didn't win. The, but the they Carter, gave it. Wow. They no, gave the Carter, it to Wayne. Bro, they the gave Carter, it to Wayne. The Carter, 
The Carter Three was tougher than Nigerian hair. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. <laughs> Nigerian hair, my ass. <laughs> Bro, no offense to uh, anybody who who is from Nigeria or of Nigerian descent. But um, get out of here, man. I got I, man. Listen, I got two words for that: hippopotamus shit. Bro, bro, three P, good song. Mr. Carter, stop, and Mr. Stop, Carter. Stop, 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 stop. You want to break that, Mr. Carter? Hello. Shut up. <laughs> we got a uh, uh, comfortable with baby face. I like how you. I like how you skipped the Millie. I love how you skipped. No, I, I, I'm not a Millie. Like, I come on, Listen, man. Listen, the I'm, only thing I'm, hot about a Millie was the beat. E, E. Translate this for me. What the hell is all that? What was that? That's not hot. Dr. Carter was cool. Uh, Mrs. Officer with Bobby Valentino. Oh, I hate. Oh, God. That was annoying. That was annoying. Bobby Valentino. Stop. 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 Bobby Bobby Valentino, you should be ashamed of yourself. Bro, this man, and this is only on the original CD, so if you buy it now, you won't get it, because uh, they had to remove it due to sample clearance, but the man bought Be- Betty Wright out of retirement. He bought who? Betty Wright. Oh, man. The old soul singer. Well, you know Betty paid, Wright. Well, well, I mean, hey, tonight is the night, and he paid her a lot of money. <laughs> and then... um. He had a oh let's not forget the the smash hit like a lollipop. You need to put that back in the rapper. <laughs> and she wanna lick the rapper. That was terrible. Yo, oh. you you such a hater. I ain't hating a damn thing. Listen, man. Look, yo, yo, look yo, at this yo, album. Yo, talk to your man's man. Look talk at this album. Look oh, at this man. album. Look at this oh. album. E. Come on. Got I mean, money. Got. <laughs> Money featuring T. I mean, E, talk about it, man. So, you know, jumping back to the Carter 2, of all of the Carters, the Carter 2 is actually my favorite. Um, he had a. Because definitely did their thing on it. Hustler Music, definitely a standout song. But on the Carter 3, I felt like he got more playful with his lyrics. And yes. I could have did without that. You know, yes. I, I'm just not a fan of him kind of playing around like that, like, you know, with the melodies and sounds he does and to me it's, it's not for me and sometimes Kendrick does it too and I'm not a yes, fan of one yes, of these guys they could do without that you know if he stuck to the formula on Carter too you know he was um to me superb on that lyric lyric lyrically superb on Carter too than any of the others uh but three just doesn't do it for me I mean lollipop I get it you want to have that MTV video MTV video and the views and everything but uh, it just doesn't do it for me man Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what's your thoughts on Carter One? Um, Carter One, it was not a bad album. I mean, like I said, I like him without like the silly noises and stuff like that. He didn't do much of it on the Carter One, but um, I noticed he does shout out BG a couple of times. Not only on the uh, Miss My Homies, he uh, gave him a shout out earlier on the album. And I thought that was pretty cool because it must have been hard for him going through what he was going through in this situation where, you know, babies and those guys were having uh, business difficulties. Um, it definitely established the Weezy Manny Fresh sound that we heard in, later on in, in three and four and all the others. But yeah, on the song uh, on my own, this guy real sounds like a, a Nate Dog impersonator. I wasn't a big fan of that. 
Um, pretty much, I could respect the lyricism on this album and uh, some of the concepts he had. You know, I can't front on it. Two, it just stood out more for me. And one was was all right. It definitely it better than three, in my opinion, and and uh, its predecessors as well. I wasn't uh, too big on uh, four. I felt like he got carried a lot by his features on part four. And you on, think so? uh, I think so. You know, I agree with that. Guys just took the cake there, Buster two on the outro. You know, not saying the outro is the best because the album's over, but it just had a pretty good posse cut there with those I, guys. I, I just want to say for that outro, shine. <laughs> You might as well have gone to politics earlier. No, nah. you did not. Listen, 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 Congressman Barrow. You did not. You did not. You did not need to be on that outro. You Foxy Browned it. Dang. Oh man, but that but the Carter, the Carter Four though, six foot seven foot. That that song was was pretty dope. Oh yeah, because of who? Corey Guns. Corey Guns. Yes. Went off. <laughs> give give Corey Guns the nod with that one. I like She Will with Drake. Of course you do. What do you mean, of course I do? Because of Drake. <laughs> Mirror with Bruno Mars wasn't bad, neither. Oh, it's Bruno Mars. If you don't believe me, just watch. Now, however, I'm going to say the Carter Five. What? Can you tell? Because there was there was controversy with the release of the Carter Five. Can you tell people about that? So pretty much um, Lil Wayne was having issues with Cash Money, which is ironic because you would think the other three hot boys had issues. It would only be some time before Wayne had issues with, uh, with, 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 uh, with releasing that. Also, uh, Young Thug at the time was uh, coming up, and uh, he actually made a mixtape uh, called The Carter, which was like, whoa, like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Um, and, the, and, and, and Young Thug was hanging around um, Baby, Birdman, whatever you want to call him, uh, Heavy. To the point that uh, Birdman and Young Thug and Rich Homie Quan, they was the rich gang. And um, I know y'all remember that song, That My Lifestyle. And Young I, Thug. I try oh, to forget. That song was hot. But um, hot? Fish yeah, grease was, is hot. Oh, my God. But anyway, a lot of people <laughs> will say that Young Thug sounded like Lil Wayne. He also, some people will say he looked like Lil Wayne. And that, like, Baby oh, was grooming him oh, to, take Lil, to take oh, Lil Wayne's place. What's bad? To look like Lil Wayne? I mean, he, Lil Wayne doing something right, but uh, anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's Laura London. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so so people were like, yo, like this guy is like a Lil Wayne knockoff, and like that's disrespectful. Lil Wayne already got four Carters out. Why would you go and make your, make your mixtape name the Carter? So there was a bit of a controversy. The Carter Five almost never saw the light of day. Mm. Um... And it caused a huge split between Cash Money, Young Money, and all that other stuff. But um, the Carter Five, I wasn't really, I didn't really, it wasn't for me. Like, like I, I get what he did. He featured Triple X Tentacion because that was the popular thing to do because he had just gotten murdered. Um, Let It Fly with Travis Scott didn't didn't do it for me. Um, Mona Lisa with Kendrick was okay because of Kendrick. That's right. And this 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 album didn't need to be two discs. You know what I you know what I feel, and I and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna say something about this, but fuck it. Lil Wayne on the Carter Five is like is like Brett Favre on the New York Jets. 
That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> that's, that's a very good analogy right because there. Because <laughs> for those of you who follow football, Brett Favre is one of the greatest quarterbacks in, in, in NFL history. And he was a longtime Green Bay Packer. His last season in the league, he went to the Jets and oh, just wasn't that, the same. That was, that was a disaster. And this is a Jet fan talking. That was a yes. disaster. Yes. And, oh. and and I feel like I feel like like Lil Wayne's album Rebirth, the rock album, that's the equivalent of Michael Jordan going to play baseball. And this <laughs> and this and this and this and this Carter Five was Brett Favre on the Jets, like because because for the longest because look at his track record Carter one two three four I'm not a human being one I'm not a human being two see we could have done another sequel with Wayne but those were all in my opinion great albums and then he comes with this and I'm expecting okay because of his previous catalog and he was and he was at one time the hottest rapper for like a good I would say five six years seven maybe so I'm, I'm thinking to myself okay I have high expectations and it didn't meet the expectation. I didn't hear too much about the Carter Five. I mean, I mean the only, what was the only song? Uproar. Uproar. I kept hearing every time, and we've heard it before. Yeah, the G that beat. Yeah. So when I heard it, I was like, oh no, what is this? Another recycle here? What's the black belt? Got it out now. That's a oh no. And but yeah, I, as far as the Carter Five goes. It took too long to come out due to everything that you just mentioned, Al. But that and that and that album got delayed years. It got delayed a lot, man. To the point that he put out uh, um, "I'm Not a Human Being" one and two before uh, before the Carter Five. Right. And and again, listening to it, I mean, you got Nicki on here, Kendrick, like you said, Travis Scott is on here. I mean, it was it did hit. Raekwon is on here, which is crazy. It's I never thought I'd see those two work together. Lil Wayne and Raekwon, you know what I mean? More more to the story is the name of the record. And, I mean, he got two chains on here. I like Titty Boy better, but two chains is on here. Oh, stop it. Uh, you know, you got T-Main on here in this house. That's the name of the song. It's a bonus track. Post Malone is on a bonus track. And I, I was like, this album was all over the place. It didn't have the structure like the other Carters had. So this was just kind of like thrown together, in my opinion. Fair assessment. Yeah. But out of all of them, I'm going to go Carter 2. No, I'm going to go Carter 3, Carter 2, Carter 1, uh, 4, then 5. Carter 3 is your favorite out of all of them? Yep. Actually, no. Carter 3, Carter 3, Carter 2, Carter 4, Carter mm. 1, Carter 5. Oh, you got Carter 1 so low. I don't know. It's just something about the production on four that, that did it for me. I hear you. But uh, let's let's keep it rolling. Yeah. Uh, after Lil Wayne, we got Run the Jewels, the entire catalog. Hey. Right. <laughs> uh, Eric, you want to walk the people through this one? Man, RTJ, they do have a great cult following. I've kept up with them. Um, I like LP. I remember LP from the old school. He used to be on the DJ premiere tapes. Yeah, um, yeah, he's um these guys I feel like are too slept on lyricists. Killer Mike too, man. He's a uh, he got some bars out there for folk, man. Gotta listen more to Mike. So is a trip. So is a trip to another planet. Listening to these guys like on these albums, you know, like very uh techno sounding. The first one it, it felt pretty quick. It was uh, ten songs, thirty three minutes. 
Um, I enjoyed the Prince Paul feature. It, it took me to another place. It's definitely uh, nostalgic hearing Prince Paul again. The sound of the album just jumps at you. It gives, it, it gives um, like I said, the electric sounding hip hop a bigger platform. Part two had one of my favorite songs of uh, of all the four, Oh My Darling, Don't Cry. The mm. beat, the flow, it's just so rapid but smooth at the same time. And LP, he shines on that one. And they got the um, the Zach De La Roca sample on uh, Close Your Eyes and Count the Fuck. Great title there. It's always mm. good to hear a little bit of rage, you know, especially uh, with this tempo of music. It goes really, really well. I like the... Um, Part two was pretty cool. It kept the same uh, concepts and it was pretty consistent. Uh, part three was longer of the three so far. There is four, but we're at three here. So it was longer of the three. I felt like, believe it or not, I felt like they should have kept it short, like the same concept of it being kind of a quick album because just of uh, the rapid uh, flows and the beats and everything. Um, it's just a lot for me, like with, with uh, that style of music. Um, Trina actually makes an appearance. It was interesting hearing her on part Very. three. Yeah, I was uh, pretty surprised. <laughs> she just jumped in the booth with, with uh, these guys, if anybody. <laughs> right, you never think that that was it. That was different. Yeah, yeah. Danny Brown, he uh, kind of fits the mo there. He jumps on this album as well. Um, part four, which recently came out this year, well, twenty twenty last year. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. I actually felt like it, it might have been, if not the best, maybe um the second best of the collection here, man. I. Uh, Pharrell and Zach De La Roca back on it there. Pretty good track with them. Um, just very different sounding, man. Their sound is uh, it has its own lane, man. And I enjoy RTJ. And it's not for everybody, but um, right. if you do like like that up tempo and fast and with some great lyricism, this this is the collection here, man. Oh yeah, I and 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 what really intrigued me about this collection is the gap. Run the Jewels came out in 2013. Run the Jewels 2 came out in 2014. Run the Jewels 3 came out in 2016. And mm -hmm. Run the Jewels 4 came out in 2020. So now it's like, man, this is incredible. I mean, from the debut, and it came out through Fool's Gold Records. Mm. It was because we know Killer Mike. I, I, I got, I mean, obviously with the Dungeon Family and Outcast and them on the track, the whole world, Killer Mike bodied it. Yeah. And you knew there was something special about him. And earlier you mentioned uh, ELP. ELP is another guy from the Gangstar. You know what I mean? Like, I, that, that's the first time I heard him. And what intrigues me about this group, here you have somebody, ELP's from Brooklyn. Right. Killer Mike is from the South. You know what I mean? Killer Mike, he's from Atlanta. So you have two different styles, two different MCs, two different sounds, and the way you put them together is great. I love their, I love the uh, debut. You know, I mean, I mean, we could talk about Thirty Six Chain, we could talk about Sea Legs, we could talk about all these different tracks. I mean, and Paul is on the debut, man. You can't get yeah. no better than that. And, and Alan, how much you love Prince Paul? Oh yeah, That's, from the De La Soul days. You know, I got plenty of love for Prince Paul. Exactly, and then. I mean, part two, you know, the studio album, you know, you're thinking, okay, what you got now? You got, oh my, you got, oh my darling, don't cry. You know what I mean? You got all my life. You got lie, cheat, and steal. Come on. We're wrestling fans. Just the title <laughs> alone will get you going with that, man. Uh, also, Crown with Diane Coffey. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is good. Run the Jewels are consistent. You, you, you get these great sounds and great lyrics out of both these MCs. 
I mean, part three is great. I love part three. Uh, Legend has it, 2100, Oh Mama. So many different good songs on here. And then recently, you know, we did, you know, we did go over part four, you know, with our, with our album review. I mean, what more can you say about it? You got Greg Nice and Primo on there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, You got, you got, uh, you got Goonies versus E.T. What a title. (laughs) When you're, when you're, when you're born in the 80s, you could appreciate stuff like that. You're like, hey, this is this is pretty good. And earlier, you know, E uh, mentioned Pharrell. I mean, you know, when you get Pharrell on a track, how his production works, it's it, 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 it has that signature sound and you got them hard beats and hard rhymes over it. It's great. Never look. If I got to pick one out of these, it's tough because they all work in succession to me. But. If I gotta rank them, you know, I love, I love uh, part two, man. I, I love part two. I love part three. But I guess it all depends on whatever you want to listen to first. You just pop it in. But run the jewels. They're a consistent group, and they never disappoint. True. No, and I'm, I'm gonna have to follow that because um, yeah. I was always a Killer Mike fan before Run the Jewels, and um, LP, of course, I got nothing but love for Brooklyn. Yeah. Um. Nah, nah, like I said, I, I I side with that first one only because, again, we got the Prince Paul influence. Um, and oh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Day Last Soul episode in the archives, check that out. Um, I got all, all the love in the world. It's just a more vintage feel. But you can't go wrong with either of the four albums. And the fact that, you know, they've all been released for free is just it's just a testament. Like you're not they, they're doing it for us, the fan, you know, the listener. So yeah. I can I can respect that. Um, but yeah, I can't say much more than you guys already said. Um, I know the next artist, um, we'll put a smile on Eric's face. Um, <laughs> currency. Let's talk about pilot talk one, one, two, and three. Hey, yeah. To his cult following pilot talk is always like the Super Bowl to us. It's, it's one of, um, the most anticipated, uh, albums he drops. He did, uh, three hints that him doing four the fans always ask for it they always bug him on twitter um pilot talk actually initially was supposed to be released under the new rockefeller records that was um headed by dame dash yeah dame dash was involved in that i remember and um he gave uh he gave uh currency at the time a rockefeller chain yeah yeah he was um the plan was for him to release that album through him um with rockefeller but def jam had bought them out so um Pretty much currency wow. had released through uh, the DD172 imprint, and it primarily was produced by Ski Beats, who does not get enough credit as a producer. One, because he, he doesn't use samples for many songs. He actually makes live samples himself. So he'll have a singer come in or he'll have um, live instruments and create the samples that you hear in his songs. Um, he primarily did the production on all three of the albums. On two, he was there as well. Part two was... um pretty much a consistent follow-up to part one. I enjoyed um, part one a little more than two. Part two did have the uh, Michael Knight remix with Raekwon. Good verse there. Um, He introduces, once again, the uh, Jet Life family with Young Roddy and Trademark. Um, Guys from New Orleans. I don't know if uh, Alfred's familiar with those guys from the end. Yeah, I love those dudes, man. Great, uh, Great chemistry those three have, man. They play off well for each other. It's a shame that these guys don't get enough exposure um, jumping back to uh, Pilot Talk One, I feel like you know it's um 
a smooth listen to is 40 minutes. I could, I personally could go from uh, track one to 13. It's, it's just easy for me. And all the songs pretty much like very melodic, you know, not repetitive or too, too much hard drums or snares. It's a music, it's a musical piece. Um, part three, Dame Dash was not involved in part three because him and Currency had uh, business issues when um, Dame Dash had released Muscle Car Chronicles. That was a uh, Currency album, and Currency did not approve of that album being released, and I'm kind of glad he didn't. It wasn't the best piece. So one of the ones I uh, don't have on my phone, it's just somewhere in my computer. Um, part three was my favorite of the three. Um, I actually remember when this album dropped, he was selling it for a hundred dollars, a hundred twenty-five, a hundred fifty, and two hundred. Wow! Good he had wow. he had a package deal for it where you receive a um some a rolling paper tray, you know things of that nature. He's a very big uh four twenty friendly rapper, so he uh pretty much gave a whole package to uh, his fans for that price. Um, and a hard drive, and the artwork was um pretty expensive in itself. So. I think that's why, because it came in different sizes as the prices went up. I personally copped the 150 bundle. I still have one of the art pieces. Um, I met him at a meet and greet. He was super, super ecstatic to see that I had purchased it. Great artist. Um, but back to part three here. Uh, 15 songs. Uh, it's a little bit different than parts one and two. It's not as, uh, doesn't sound as like classical. Out of uh, the zone here, he did a... Uh, Froze with Riff Raff, different, different kind of sounding song, different kind of sounding MC Riff Raff is. Um, but he jumps kind of back into the formula here where he chose. And that kind of sounds like most of the pilot talks. But I feel like with part three, he kind of went elsewhere with it. But I wasn't mad at it. I actually enjoyed that he uh, kind of switched the format a bit. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, what did it for me was the features as well, because with the first part of talk, you know, I see I see my boy Big Crit is on there with oh, yeah. the song Skyborn with, you know, with Smoke Dizza. I Ooh, said, OK, yeah. That's a yeah, that, I, said, I said that was great. You know what I mean? And then uh, I see my guy Devin the Dude on there. Yeah. Uh, shout track out to number Texas. 11. Yeah. Shout out to Texas. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just a, it's just the type of sound you could just sit back. And listen to and 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 E, you mentioned 420. All the smokers out there, you know, I I I know this is the, this is the type of music you just sit back and just chill and just and just light one too. You know, what I mean, Snoop Dogg is on here. Come on, I mean, seat change. You know, I mean, you can't get no wrong with that. And like you said, with um with the production, you know, it deserves so much credit, so much credit because the sound quality does matter it puts everything together and then when you get to part two you know you follow along again you mentioned michael knight michael knight was great i enjoyed that uh flight you know with young rowdy and and, and um and i'm trademark skydiver you know i was like okay this is something new that i'm getting into i'm being introduced to something dom kennedy is on here and you know i was like okay this is this is tight this is very, very tight. And um, OG and the remix with Raekwon, like you mentioned, super dope. Real Estates, you know, again, you know, with Dom Kennedy. I said, this is really, really, really cool. So I wasn't into these guys until, you know, my, my boy Ralph put me on. You put me on, E. So listen to that. And then 
part three, you said that was your favorite. I was like, hey, I could see why. Because I love, I love the consistent sound. I love that these guys keep up with the same formula. And um, it was just like, okay, I could get into it. I could put it on, no problem. And uh, if I if I got to pick, I could go for part three. I could go for part three. I I think I think part I, I think what I love about part one, part two, and part three, besides the consistency, I mean the production, everything just goes good. You know, pilot talk, we're going on a ride, sky high. So, um, life I chose, pot jar with Jada Kiss. The 560 SL, you know mm. what I mean? Like, uh, come on, cargo planes, yep. all, all these are dope. So, I, 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 I'm with you on that. I, I, I got to go with part three, but all, all of them are good. All of them are very good. And um, just to piggyback, part one, I love part one because, like, like Eric says, Sky Ski Beats don't get enough credit, and he, with the exception of one track, he produced all of Pilot Talk One. Um, much credit there. I like the sound of Pilot Talk One. Um, I'm not going to beat the track list in the desk cause we already, we already yeah. covered it, yeah, we but, um, uh, yeah, pilot talk one, no issue with pilot talk two. Um, it's good, but I just don't get that same feeling that pilot talk one gave me, you know what I mean? So, and then even the features, like he is mostly with the exception of Dom Kennedy, everybody else is virtually unknown. It's like, it's like he's giving out pairs of shoes to steal, a. To steal a, a, a phrase from a friend. Um, I did like that, like you said, Raekwon is on there. And my homeboy, Fiend, Mr. Womp, 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 hey. Mr. Womp, Womp himself. He's is, a part of his life. Yeah, is on there. Shout-outs to Fiend. If you if you know No Limit, you know Fiend. And then, um, yeah, Pilot Talk 3 was solid. But I wouldn't, I can't put it over one. I just feel like one is just that album, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Mo- moving on. Um, I don't feel like these uh, these two albums should be compared because the sequel, for the first time in this whole list, the sequel don't is not even can't even hold a candle up to the original. I feel. Are we talking about Lupe Fiasco, Food and Liquor, and Food and Liquor Two? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, do y'all mind if I start this one off? Go oh, right go, ahead. go, go. I feel like with food and liquor, I loved food and liquor. Um, food and liquor was a great, not only was it a great album, it was a great debut album. And yes. of course, Lupe, like at the, up until this album came out, if you wasn't Kanye or Common, nobody was paying attention to anybody from Chicago. You had to put yourself on the map. And I feel like, you know, oh, and Twister, but like, I feel like this album, like Kick Push, obviously, whoo, hell of a song. Mm-hmm. Breath of fresh air. Um, I feel like a lot of people sleep on track six, the instrumental. Oh which yeah. That guitar, Love that it. guitar, that guitar riff by Jordan Matranga was was excellent. Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah. Um, pressure with Hove, great song. Yeah. yeah. Um, I even like the Emperor soundtrack. So, I mean, Food and Liquor, awesome, awesome album. Now you go six years later and Food and Liquor 2, the Great American Rap Album Part 1. Thank God he never came. Thank God there was no, 
there was no Great American Rap album part two. <laughs> like, I don't know what was going on. Like, it was like, it, it went all downhill for Lupe after, with, starting with Lasers. And I feel yeah. like, I feel like with, with, with this album is just, first off, I don't know what statement you're trying to make with an with a, with a all-black album cover. And then, like, the lead single, Around My Way, Freedom Ain't Free, you took the beat for Troy. Yeah, there was some controversy with that. You took the beat for Troy. Like and and we have and like the three of us used to rap. And there's a rule when you're when you're a rapper. If there is a, a, a timeless classic song, you don't touch that. You leave it alone. And he touched Troy, which didn't need <laughs> to like I and I'm listening to the song, I'm like, what Lupe, what are you doing? And it's like there was no change in it. It was the it was the exact same beat. And then and then and then bitch bad, like the hook. Woman bitch bad, woman good. Bitch bad, woman good. Like, yo, Lupe, like the what the fuck is like if I could have like stood in front of Lupe in the studio, I would have bitch slapped him and shook him. Like, yo, what are you doing? Hey, man, he know martial arts. He'll fuck you up. Listen, man, <laughs> the same guy, you said he you said he was going to fuck me up, but when Chief Keef said he was going to slap him, he backed down and apologized. You're, you're, you, you're bringing up Beef Keef? Chief Keef. <laughs> On this thing, man, this is Lupe. Lupe got samurai swords. He'll choppy choppy, man. You be, be careful, bro. Hey, hey, he ain't choppy choppy at me. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But no, nah, I just I feel like you know what it is. Also, I feel because the record label jerked him around. They did. He, he he's just he's just putting out music to fulfill his contract. He didn't exactly. care. Exactly. That's just my sentiment. That's, but uh, I heck, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, man. Um, the first cool is 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 excellent. He tackles political issues. He tackles religious issues. He created a character called Michael Young History in the Cool, where you could just follow everything. The instrumental talks about television and about politics and how people get swept in. And it was just a good, a great debut, like you said, for an artist. American Terrorist is one of my favorites. I just love, you know, the way he talks about what's going on in society. And again, he's a devout Muslim. So he incorporates that into his music. He talks all about that. Shout, shout out uh, shout out to the brothers at the mosque who slinging bean pies. I, I love y'all. Don't ever raise your price, please. Uh-huh. You see, man, they're going to fuck you up for that, man. I told they're you. not going to fuck me up. I'm supporting the mosque. Bean pies. Bean pies and all that. Man, come on with that, man. Shout so, out to the, the brothers on Atlantic Ave. Y'all know who y'all are. Go ahead. Uh-huh. 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 The brothers on Atlantic Ave. That, that brothers is going to tear you up, man. Man, I actually... Feel a little bit different about uh the great American rap album. I like that album too. No, yeah. I kind of like uh weird and angry Lupe. I mean, I'm I'm not a big fan of where he's at now, and um, you know, lasers. I'm a bit indifferent about, but uh, I like Lamborghini Angels. I kind of like the flow and the concept. Angels, Lamborghini Angels, yeah. I wish he kind of kept it like like dark like that, like um a little more throughout the album. Um, I feel like he kind of tried to more like singy songs um from more mainstream appeal kind of but still be like angry and emo about things Agreed. um hood now i felt like was a pretty good outro it was a good way to take us out of the album 
Um, but part one, man, it's just hard to really like compare because it was just a great inside view of of the smooth side of Chicago, you know, through Lupe's flow and his, his topics and his swag. And um, it was pretty refreshing to hear the uh, It's All Right sample on uh, Just Might Be Okay. That was pretty cool. I like how he flipped it there. That's a like vintage, that that's vintage Lupe for me. But um, y'all are probably going to uh, kill me for this one. But I wasn't really a fan of the No Pressure with, Jay, with the Jay-Z feature what? on it's I a, understand. I understand. I I, I could understand. That. Oh my god. <laughs> he could have did without that. He I mean, I, did without I, it. I I think that song was a solid song. It was all right. He didn't need Jason. No. If it was very rock love familiar esque, I was waiting for like Beans or Memphis Bleak or a Mill to like jump on this track with him. It just, <laughs> it kind of sounded like it was from that era. Lupe didn't really need that on the album. Yeah. Um, but like you guys touched on, Kick Push, that just revolutionized oh, the, skate, the skate hop culture, you know? That was like Absolutely. the skateboarders. Kick Push was the skateboarders mm-hmm. anthem for a long it time. It was the anthem. It really was. And, and even though part two, you know, coming out in 2012, it had some good songs on there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, Strange Fruition was, was cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Angels, like my brother E said, uh, Battle Scars, like, Cold War, like it was a different direction for Lupe, you know. What I mean, even though <laughs> the first Food and Liquor was received very well commercially, this one, it, it, it's if you're a Lupe fan, you're a Lupe fan, you'll like the album. I, yep, and yep. I think, and, and I and I gotta go with what Candyman said. He's trying to fulfill this contract agreement. They jerked him with lasers, so mm-hmm. now he's just trying to just finish it up and just put out records. But lyrically, you can appreciate what he's talking about. Hmm. Absolutely. And um, last but not least on our on our journey uh, this episode, we're going to go to a duo. We're going to go to Method Man and Red Man, Blackout right. 1 and Blackout 2. All right. There we go. Uh, you know, um, we'll start off with Eric since uh, Method's a member of the Wu and you are a resident <laughs> expert. Um, yep. Talk to us about Blackouts 1 and 2. Well, surprisingly, it wasn't what I expected the first Blackout. I really? felt like, yeah, I don't want to sound like the grumpy old man, but it was just a little too much fun and silliness at times for me, like in their lyrics. Um, it did show their chemistry, though, on the flip side. It showed their chemistry, and it showed, you know, why these guys as a tandem are are just memorable, even as personalities. Um, I do wish there were some songs on the How High soundtrack that made it onto this album, like um, Cisco Kid with Cypress Hill. Mm. That was a pretty that was a pretty good cut. You hear it sometimes like in like commercials or like movies and stuff. I kind of wish they had saved it for uh, the part one album. Um, if I could do anything for this album, I wish I could just make it a bit darker, like just a little bit more grittier. I could respect them having fun. They just came off um, How High Fame and everything. But um, I kind of wish it sounded more like 96-ish. You know, I was about you know, to ask you. I was about to ask you. Do you feel that that album should have came out earlier? Uh, yes, that and um, to Cal 2000, both should have came out way earlier, especially to Cal 2000. Yeah. I don't know what Meff's deal was with like the label or his attitude or whatever was going on, but yeah. those albums should have um came out quicker. And you know, just to jump back to Little Wayne, but that's something I do respect about Wayne. I may not, he may not be my cup of tea musically, but I do respect that he has an abundance of music that he could just even put out now, even with all his mixtapes. I kind of wish like 
some of the old school guys like the OGs like Meth and Red, you know, had that stash or that collection of of music that they did together in like 94, 95, 96. And, you know, that could have been Blackout or something. Um, but to jump ahead to Blackout 2, you know, touching back on the length, it did take eight years to follow up to Blackout 1. Um, I actually was surprised by that album too, because um seems like they went a bit back to the basics and they both were lyrically sharp on it. It seemed like they had something to prove. Um, I was super impressed with the Bun B feature. I felt oh, like... Yeah. They took his style and sound and did it right, like alongside of him. And I notice when people feature Bun B, they tend to do that. They tend to kind of um, bring his sound into their feature. Yeah. And uh, some guys don't do it right, but I felt like Meth and Red definitely uh, w- was great alongside of him. Um, the Keith Murray feature was good. Everybody scream. Oh, yeah. I actually enjoyed that. Um, Keith Murray on it. Um, this album definitely had depth. There's 17 songs, about an hour runtime. Um, I feel like it kind of just, uh, if it, it came out maybe earlier, it would have been a little bit better. But like 2009, it was just kind of a weird time in music. It was. Um, it may not have gotten the respect it did then, but I feel like now it gets a little more respect, and especially us bringing awareness to the album. Hope more people go and give it a listen and, you know, see what we're talking about. It's not a bad piece, but... Uh, if I had to choose, I, I'd have to go at one. You know, they had that beautiful posse cut with Ghostface on there. Ooh. You know, I'm a sucker for that. You know, I'm a sucker for uh, some yeah, Ghostface on a posse cut, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, that's the song Run for Cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 with Ghostface oh, I th- I th- I, th- I thought you were going to mention Four Seasons, because that's my favorite on, on yeah. number one. That's another good one. That's with LL Cool J and Ja Rule. Yep, and and to, to counter Eric's point, you know, I didn't mind the silliness on the first one in the lyrics, only because at the time, they had How High, they had the TV show on Fox, like their interactions oh, yeah. that everybody saw, they were just goofing around all the time, so right. if they didn't goof around, I, w- I wouldn't, I would be like, yeah, something is wrong, because that's Meth and Red's relationship, they just, they just, you know, they joke around, goof around, they don't take things seriously, Right. However, they got serious 10 years later, I feel, because right. again, they wanted to prove that age doesn't mean anything and that ageism, they wanted to fight against ageism. Because also in that time period, what else did Meth do? He had Wu Massacre the following year with um with Ray and Ghost. Yep. So, yeah. So I mean, chemistry is a big deal. Chemistry is a big deal. Meth and, meth and Red is peanut butter and jelly. They're, they, 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 they go great together. And Eric Sermon... His production on, I mean, Eric is all over it. You know, what I mean, you can't get you can't get no better than that. You got mathematics on there. I have voice to say, and that's the exterminate, the exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, man. Um, you, which is which is which is which is one of them catch out records, and all you Def Jam fight for New York fans. Oh boy, you know the songs. You know the songs. They they were on here. You know what I mean? Um. You also, you know, and it was also soundtrack time with the song Tear It Off. It was on the Into Deep soundtrack, which was a hit record. And everybody knows, oh, my God. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, man. Come on. Hey, come on. You got the Rockwilder by the Rockwilder. You can't get no better title than that. Nope. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it, just, it just went good together. When, what, what, when TV show, what, wait, wait, out, what, what TV show was it that used the instrumental 
of the Rottweiler on their show. Was it? It wasn't Chappelle's show, was it? Was it the Chappelle show? I, I mean, I heard the instrumental a bunch of times on different yeah. things. I think no, it wasn't Chappelle's show. Chappelle's show, no, Chappelle's show used Dead Prez. I thought it was somebody else. Mm, mm, right, right. It, I it mean, is a universal beat though. It is everywhere. I mean, guys, we even heard it on And One. Yeah. Yeah. We even heard it over there. You know what I mean? Um, as far as part two goes, I was interested to see how it was going to be because, again, uh, it is 2009. And I said, okay, this is Method Man and Red Man. You know, these are two veterans. So they're going to come with it lyrically. And nothing really stood out as far as a commercial success. But again, these guys are way past that. And a lot of people were, were, were you know, were very critical about them. There's like, oh, this is a lackluster effort because, I mean, look how long it took. But again, if you're a fan of Red and Meth, you're a fan of Red and Meth. You got Havoc on here. You got Pete Rock on here. Eric Sermon is back on here. DJ Scratch is on here. Vinny Idol. I love Vinny Idol's beats. Mm. Uh, come on. You know what I mean? what What can you get from an aged Method Man and Red Man. They're in a different place now. So lyrically, like you guys have pointed on, that was their main focus for their second debut. You know, I mean, do you guys think that they'll come with another one? Never, mm. never say never, but I'm not holding my breath. Right. Yeah, same thing. Right. Because in this world of hip-hop, you, do, you, you truly never know, but... Yeah, but four minutes to lockdown is my joint, though. Absolutely. Uh, I like both albums. I mean, both albums. Both albums are great, but I, I, I give the, the slight nod to, to number one. Yeah, part one, part one. Yeah, got to go part one. But uh, I'm pretty sure that we're going to get emails about why I didn't touch the, these series of albums or touch that. So for <laughs> those of y'all listening out there, because we do get emails all the time, even though uh, none of us have a fan club like T.O. Shout out to T.O. <laughs> shout shout out, out to the boy T, man. But um, if y'all feel that we need to do a part two and do more sequels, because there are plenty more, uh, email us at raplabpod@gmail.com. And uh, before we get off the air, um, even though the fifty percent, the um, the fifty dollar over shipping is gone, I still go to teespring.com uh, and type in raplab and and buy the merch and support. Um, yeah, and if you if you uh, if you support, you get a personal phone call from me, and I'll thank you myself. Real talk. Um, Eric, welcome aboard again. We love having you. Yes, sir, brother. And uh, happy New Year to both of you, gentlemen. And uh, I'm excited. Happy New Year. I'm, I'm excited on the the journey we about to uh, partake in 2021. Let's get it. Let's go. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, who knows? We may, we may. Uh, what we got? It's 52 weeks in a year. We got 51 more episodes this year. We may, we, we may circle back to sequels again, man. There we go. Hey, there was a solid one. Much love and appreciated to all of it. Happy New Year to everybody. And hey, more years, more albums. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. And uh, shout outs to our people in Canada, Paraguay, and Pakistan, man. Much love. Much love to you guys. I'm sorry the merch don't ship that far, but if y'all want it out, we'll make it work. With that being said, uh, it's another episode of the Rap Lab. Happy New Year, everybody, and uh, we uh, we hope y'all safe and uh, much love and much blessings. Peace. Peace.